Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag 3, whoever he is. Get your plug fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this is, is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international over the perfume. <laughs> Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? Out here in the fields, I fight for my meals. Every person has the right to live safe from violence, hate, and bigotry. And today, we take another important step in our fight against hate. The Biden-Harris administration will develop our nation's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. Serious? So here's the bottom line. In America, no one should be made to fight hate alone. Let us all clearly say, a harm against any one of us is a harm against all of us. I doubt it. Hello, Iqbal! You are fake news. It's not against the law, whole fuck you. Very fake news. I can't believe that someone would have so much like hate in their heart. Well, it's not my concern. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations (laughs) to both of you. You're awesome. I I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. (laughs) Fuck it, we'll do it live. Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. Frankly, the very best you can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Mm. Welcome. Hello. I gotta say, it's very strange how almost everybody hates the most popularly elected president of all time. Yeah. Over the weekend... So easy. Well, he is very hateable, but... Also very votable. That is the the paradox, the contradiction. But over the weekend, tens of thousands of activists mm-hmm. descend on D.C. to support Palestine and call for a ceasefire uh, in the war in Gaza, of course. And some of the mob then turns on Biden, calling him genocidal at the White House and leaving behind some vandalism for their troubles. And all Biden will do is just shrug and not care and do his best to shovel more money overseas to continue the bombing anyway. Who exactly are the people who support this man, but are supposedly everywhere around us all of the time? It's the greatest mystery in American politics, I think. I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll break down that scene. Plus, um, as the focus in the news, of course, shifts to the war going on in Gaza, don't forget Vladimir Zelensky, as we have not forgotten him each and every week. The biggest victim in all of this, Vladimir Zelensky's pocket. He is now shedding tears of loneliness. Saying, please, remember me. I'm very lonely uh, over here in um, in Eastern Europe. And uh, this, as the U.S. and Europe are, are said to be shifting and trying to push Ukraine into finally negotiating some concessions to Russia to end the war. I remember, what, a year and a half ago, if anybody suggested, might we negotiate some sort of peace agreement here? Well, that was like, that was pro-Putin propaganda. We had to spend billions of dollars and uh, lose thousands of lives to get to the discussion point, to 
potentially end this conflict. But it sounds like that's happening uh, against the wishes of Zelensky, that there are forces pushing him to the negotiating table, and that is not what he wants to do. Meanwhile, Sam Bankman-Fried convicted on all counts in his federal fraud case. He could spend... What? What, what are you poo-pooing? Oh, no. It's just he's... We'll talk about it, but... Uh... You know, he got $40 million to the Biden campaign, to Democrats in general. Like, I, I bet they're going to show up for him on this one. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the joke is uh, he's going to get the same Epstein prison guards, of course. They'll, they, they've they used him up fully, and uh, they'll do That'd away with so him funny. In one way or another. But uh, he, he theoretically faces the rest of his life in prison. Either he is out in much less time than that, or he's dead by some unexplained circumstance like that. Uh, but, um, anyway, but so we'll discuss all of that. And then, uh, jobs numbers are slowing down, but that's now a good thing. Uh, even though the bigger jobs numbers, uh, those were also a good thing just a few months ago, but they also revised those downward. Those, those weren't real jobs. They were made up jobs. So you kind of notice how no matter what the economic news is, it's good Bidenomics news. In any case, we do have evidence of a slowing economy, but definitely not a recession economy coming. Don't worry. This is exactly what the Fed intended. Later in the show, the Supreme Court agrees to hear the challenge to the bump stock ban. And of course, we have a hoax hate trio. And tonight's movie review is Scarface. So stick around. We'll catch up with your super chats in between topics as well. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because... We are no good low-down money grabbers. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listing material. Remember, you can find everything show-related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. Listener support is hugely appreciated, and it is what keeps the show operational. So if you enjoy the show, please do consider supporting the show. We also have show merchandise for sale over on the website. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. These are high-quality, handmade, premium hardwood cutting boards, charcuterie boards, serving trays, and more, all constructed with the materials and craftsmanship to last a lifetime. And the best part about Kineo Mountain's work, it's all customizable, not just in the selection of the materials and the shapes and the colors, but in custom engraving, too. Blake at Kineo Mountain made me a cutting board engraved with my channel logo, and it looks incredible. It's a one-of-a-kind, personalized addition to our kitchen that we use nearly every day, and it hasn't aged a bit. And don't forget, Kineo Mountain can handle any sort of woodworking from small table trays to big furniture projects, so if you're looking for a personalized gift for someone special or bigger items to customize your home, make it fine hardwood craftsmanship from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. The absolute highest quality woodworking that will last you forever. Check them out at kineowood.com. That's K-I-N-E-O wood.com. And of course, listeners of the show get 10% off all Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing products and services using promo code uh, MATT10 at checkout. That's promo code MATT10 for 10% off. Everything from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. Find everything you need from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing, plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Hero Soap Company, Western Razor Company, Sonoran Defense Technologies, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals. Deals by listeners for listeners. In uh, other exciting news, my personal selection for shampoo and conditioner is now available from Hero Soap Company. 
It is a mango pineapple blend called The Island. Uh, I wanted to take that listener suggestion of Shampoogaloo because I thought that was very creative. (laughs) But then I realized uh, I didn't know what to call the conditioner. So it's just The Island. And later on, I thought, no, I should have called it Aloha. But we went with Mm. The Island. Anyway, uh, most importantly, it smells like a tropical paradise and your shower will be greatly improved by it. As always, 10% off the Island Shampoo and Conditioner from Hero Soap Company. Using promo code MCLISTENER, promo code MCLISTENER for 10% off, uh, percent off anything from Hero Soap, by the way. MattChristensenMedia.com slash deals for more information. Uh, reminder, tomorrow is the day. By the way, I'm, I'm hearing some static in my ear. Do you hear that? It's driving me nuts. What's going on here? <clears throat> Sounds crystal clear. Yeah, what the hell is that? Um, can the audience hear static? Can you ask them? Sure. I don't know what's going on there, but tomorrow is the day over at tenant media. Uh, my new video launches in the morning along with content from all the other creators on the platform. My new Wednesday show tentatively called the Matt Christensen hour. It's very classy. What do you want to call it? I'm just joking. uh, (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) The degenerate male prostitution hour. Anyway, that launches Wednesday at 9 PM (laughs) Eastern time as well. Tenantmedia.com for all the links, as I've mentioned. And my sources say tenant is dot gay may even work to get you to tenantmedia.com as well. If you prefer that Who URL, did that? I have no idea, but it does function. Is anybody complaining about static or is it just me? They say they can hear it too. Yeah. What is that? that is I don't really... know. I can't hear it. So that means that it's not my fault. Can you mute your mic really quick? It is coming off of your mic. What the hell would that be? Yeah, let's let's unplug, plug in, all that stuff. Not not your fault, my ass. <laughs> Women and tech. Okay, is it everything plugged back in now? Yeah, what about now? Yeah, now it sounds clear. I don't know what that was. Ha-ha! Maybe just some interference with the signal of some kind. Anyway, I'm glad there was an easy solution there. Damn it. I, I was so cocky. You know? Ah, well, uh, oh, I wanted to mention you're back on Twitter as well. I forgot about that news. Uh, is there anything yes. more to it than that? I know you announced on Wednesday, but if people want to follow your, your tweets before they're banned again. I don't know why I got reinstated because I, I had many appeals after this last time. You know, I was banned from Twitter from 2017 to 2022. And then I got my account back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I got banned again for what I thought was a promotion a promotional tweet for trans people to commit suicide. But it turned out that that wasn't the tweet because that's that tweet is still up. I have no idea what tweet it was that violated whatever, but I'm back on Twitter for now. And I am blondes, B-L-O-N-D-E-S underscore tweets. Plural, full plural. Follow at blondes <laughs> underscore tweets before it's banned. My guess is if I, if I were placing a bet, I would say Wednesday is the line. Will it be before I'm or after Wednesday? That I, but why would they give it back to me now? I don't know. The mystery, mysterious ways of Elon. But welcome back. I've been dunking on a lot of your favorites, so check me out there. Ah, well, uh, I, we have to get to the most important news of the week. That this is, so is uh, Tiffany Gomez is finally explaining what happened on that airplane where she said that MFR is not real, or so we're supposed to 
believe I, I guess she added some detail, but man, this lady no, she needs didn't. to she, she needs didn't to run say for anything. office. She said she speaks at length while saying nothing at all, which is professional politician behavior. Yeah, it's just incredible. She's able to um, just say nothing, nothing at all. She did this interview with a, a podcast um, called Pardon My Take. I guess it's Barstool Sports. I'm unfamiliar with this. But she basically was like, I didn't really see anything out of the ordinary. And then she says that she had kind of a minor altercation with somebody on the plane that she overreacted to, but then wouldn't give away any details of the altercation because of something ongoing. Yeah. Which led me to believe that there was some kind of investigation, but she didn't really say that. And she just said he had bad energy. So I don't know what the hell she's talking about. I think we have a clip. These guys had to ask her, I don't know, several times. The only question that anybody cares about, what did you see? And she kind of explained, I didn't see anything, but here's what she said. Can I ask again what you saw? You know, the reason why I probably haven't come out yet, because it's like so cringe. um, I did not see anything. What? Mm. Yeah. So I (laughs) got in a bit of an altercation. It spiraled out of control. It was not my best moment. So what you're saying is that clip that we all saw, that motherfucker's not real, Mm -hmm. is not like you thinking that someone is an alien. It was just the tail end of an argument. Yeah, what was the fight over? This overhead space. This is way less crazy, by the way. You're completely vindicated. So Daily Mail was like the first to like take it and run with it. And they're like, she saw a not real person. And I'm like, they are making me look bad shit. Yeah. And given I did, like I I did look absolutely crazy. So was it armrest? Guy smelled bad? No, I was actually in the aisle seat and I like gave up my aisle seat. So gave up, I was in the middle seat and it was just, there was just a really bad energy and I don't want to get into like all the details of that. Just as you know, there's, it's ongoing. And yeah, yeah. no, we don't know. That's the problem. But um, as you know, yeah, (laughs) she should go into politics. Yeah, she didn't say effing S that whole time. It is ridiculous. <clears throat> but what is she talking? Some, something is ongoing. Okay. Is that a lawsuit? Is that a criminal investigation? If you can't talk about it, you could probably still say why you can't talk. You could just say under investigation or there's pending litigation. You'd still give a reason beyond just, as you know, it's ongoing. I don't know. What is it? You've never explained that. And she is stupid hot, though, so I think it's fine. She has transformed this viral moment into a quest for social media stardom. All she does is post like social media modeling pictures now. And all the replies are, what the hell did you see? That's the only thing people care about. I don't know what As, to say here. This whole thing was crazy. I, 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 my idea here is that this was some sort of like long term marketing ploy. Or that she just took too much Ambien and like whiskey. Isn't that her job marketing? Uh, something like that? Yeah, but she doesn't do, you know, PR in, in the way like the, in the know. way that people are thinking, you know, of, um, of reputation salvage. S- something is weird here beyond just what she did or did not see. As a reminder, I tried and we tried as in our, our, our show assistant tried to get Tiffany Gomez on our show. And I never got to speak with her, but I I did get to speak with some quote unquote talent manager in L.A. who represents her. That person wanted to know all the questions ahead of time. So I thought, forget it. I'm not doing that. I'm not screening the questions through you. And, And if she's in legal trouble, if this is some civil suit or there's a criminal investigation into her. 
why am I? Why? Why is she being screened through a talent manager? Why is it not a lawyer who's who's handling this for her? What exactly is her talent anyway? Why does she need a talent manager? I know what her talent is. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Uh, all right. I, I have a little bit of a Hall- Halloween recap. Now, I thought these were pretty cringe because my whole point for bringing up these costumes is who had the most cringe costume. But I guess Don the, Lemon costume is the best costume I've ever seen. Not even life. cringe at all. You say, OK, so how no, about I think this is hilarious. This is a hilarious, excellent costume. He looks so much like her because about, he's effeminate and she's masculine. Well, I have that one teed up for last. So oh, fine. Hold your horses on the Don Lemon <laughs> praise. Uh, the Romneys. What do you approve of that? Or is that cringe dressed as a disaster? Uh, Travis Kelsey cringe. and Taylor Swift. Okay, cringe. Uh, what is what, she, she just put on glasses? What is? <laughs> are you really going to criticize others for low effort Halloween costumes? Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Hey, I put in the effort for my kid now. You saw her. Costume. That's true. I will no give joke. you credit for that. As I mentioned on Wednesday, your daughter's Ursula costume was very well done. I agree. Uh, okay, I you can't say this one's good. Anyone who admires this is is an ideological super psychopath. low effort super low uh, effort and weird antony blinken's kid dressed as Zelensky, just put a green sweater on him and then his daughter's in some kind of ukrainian i don't know blue and gold outfit of some sort too okay that's definitely cringe now i thought that don lemon had the cringiest costume but you're telling me this one's good this is don lemon and his fiance as joe biden and kamala harris that's don lemon as kamala harris it's so good. He looks just like her. <laughs> he looks just like her. It's so good. This is I love st- Don Lemon. He's given us more laws over the years than like anybody else. Have you, and you know, before he, he left CNN, right? Yeah. Yeah. He got booted. Before he got booted, like that guy did not give a fuck. He was showing up in hoodies saying whatever he wanted to all the time. It was awesome. I love Don Lemon. I don't care what anybody says. What? Since when? I, He's a reprehensible faggot who is morally unscrupulous. Shut up. And I'm there. Silly for it. woman. Oh, it's it's just the it's the wool cow it. nature of it. It's not like a sincere admiration. No, it's not a sincere yeah. admiration. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just clarifying. This costume is chef's kiss. Definitely the scariest one, I would say, out of all of them. I, I also I just find it amusing that if they decided, you know, I think you, Mr. White fiance guy or whoever this is, you would make a more convincing Kamala than I would. That would be the the most um, insensitive, inappropriate, racist costume of all time. But Don Lemon can wear woman face and there's no consideration for that whatsoever. In fact, I don't know if the president and uh, vice president responded to this, but if they saw it, I'm sure they would have nothing but praise. They would see nothing wrong with it at all. Not that I'm trying to be um, Halloween costume police guy. I don't care what they wear. I just... Just uh, arranged a different way. It's incredibly offensive. Yeah. Anyway, another uh, another Halloween incident worthy of discussion. Uh, the real Halloween scandal is the kind of degenerates who steal the whole bowl of candy left outside the house. And when I went trick or treating with my two year old son on Tuesday night, um, I, I understand people are busy. They have things to do. But I was a little bit disappointed that so many houses just leave the bowl of candy outside the door 
But you have to do that if you take your kid trick-or-treating. I understand. Yeah, it probably is that those people also have young kids. Now, I had my, my I had grandma watching the door here so we could do that. But I understand not everybody has that luxury. So in a different situation, we'd probably have to do the same thing. But it takes a little bit of the fun out of Halloween, having the door, the interaction at the door, you know. But when you have to do that, of course, it relies on a trust system. You shouldn't have to put the sign that says, please take only one or, you know, please take a, a reasonable amount. But of course you have to. And then you have to rely on the people who come to your door having some sort of constraint, some sort of moral framework by which they live their lives so they wouldn't just steal all your candy. Well, a clip went viral this week showing not just punk kids taking all the candy, as you might expect, but parents or adults who are with them helping them do that. And based on what sounds like Spanish being spoken, many speculated that these people are illegal immigrants stealing all the candy at this home. Double, triple check to make sure it's empty. <laughs> that kid goes back to make sure there's not one Twix, not one Snickers. And when I say kid, that kid, uh, that young man is probably... He's like 20. He, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's not a child. Why is anybody surprised? Everybody's all surprised by this. It's like, you know, these people are plundering our country on a much larger scale than this, right? Well, that's like, kind oh, of the candy. It's but like, that's kind okay. of the metaphor that people were talking about. That the, isn't yeah. this emblematic of a much larger problem? Now, Newsweek doing the fact checking tells us they could not independently confirm that these people are immigrants, let alone illegal immigrants. And of course, we have to consider the real victims in this case. It's not the guy who had all his candy stolen or society that suffers when people have this sort of attitude about no accountability and take whatever you want without suffering any consequences. The real danger is uh, immigrant backlash that was sparked by this video. Oh, no, not anti-immigrant bias. But um, I thought I thought there were some interesting thoughts on this, too, because people were commenting on Twitter about this video and how similar it is to the shopping cart test and the which is a real test of of. You've never heard of this, the shopping cart uh, symbol or the shopping cart test for whether a person can can self-govern. So uh, whether a person actually takes the cart to the corral at a at a store, like when you're done uh, in the parking lot, you're done emptying your shopping cart. Do you just leave the cart in the parking lot or do you do the right thing and put it back in the corral? And the reason this is a, a, a great gauge as to whether a person is able to self-govern is there is an objectively right thing to do, which is to return that car to the corral. But there's no real punishment for not doing it. You could just leave it. You could leave that cart in the parking lot free to blow away in the wind and door ding someone's car. And you're not really going to get in trouble for it. You're not really going to have any responsibility for it. But if you're a person who's capable of self-governing, you will take that cart to the corral because it's the right thing to do. Now, the same principles apply to the candy bowl. This person at the in the video apparently had a uh, a sign on the on the bowl. Please take one piece of candy. And this uh, presumably immigrant family did not do that. And, and so it's the same sort of situation where 
It's objectively right to honor the wishes of the person who put out the candy and take one or take a reasonable amount, whatever their directions are. You could steal the whole bowl and it's not going to it's not going to be a serious matter for law enforcement. They're not going to go after this family to recoup all the Snickers bars or whatever. And the reason that matters, the reason these tests for self-governance matter is because when we have a whole society of people who don't put the carts into the corral or don't honor the wishes of the homeowner and take one freaking Snickers bar. What does that necessitate? It necessitates this monstrosity of laws that govern all of our day-to-day behavior. And and that monstrosity of law uh, contributes to societal decline, as this person eloquently phrases on Twitter. That's why the candy bowl question is so important. Not that it's not important that these people are crossing into our country and taking advantage of all sorts of welfare programs or whatever else they can get their hands on. Obviously, that is a much larger significant problem. But it's funny to see people kind of dismiss the importance of such a thing. It's like, uh, yeah, do you, if, if someone would go to your house and take all your candy in this way, what are the limitations, if any, that they have on stealing a lot more than just that? But uh, that's why I the, I never thought of the, the candy bowl like the, the shopping cart, but uh, important metaphors for life. Did you uh, you see Gretchen Carlson's gun control uh. own? It was so dumb. I thought I was missing something like I must be misunderstanding her. Oh, no, it was really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Former Fox News host Gretchen Carlson had, I guess, some sort of dispute with Ben Shapiro about gun control and AR-15s this week. I didn't go back and look at the whole Twitter back and forth, but they were having some kind of Twitter argument. And so she made uh, a video that responds to Ben and the controversy. And she's trying to say that AR-15s are not a common part of our history, that they've only recent uh, recently come into prominence in the American gun market. And she has numbers to back it up, or so she thinks. But Pay close attention to her statistical analysis. So you might have seen the news story about my tweet regarding Ben Shapiro and his love of AR-15s. Big round of applause for the clever detectives who pointed out that technically, a few ranchers and animal control people did own these guns before 2004. And since we're all big fans of math, here are more numbers that seem relevant. In 1992, AR-15s composed roughly 21 in every 100 firearms made in the U.S., By 2020, almost one in five guns made here were AR-15s. There are now more than 20 million AR-15s in people's closets and cabinets. Oh, and there's this. In 2023, there's been 560 mass shootings in our country, and we still have two months to go. This is not normal. A world where everyone has AR-15s is just a hell of a lot more dangerous than one where we don't. Uh, That's a 1% decline that she's talking about there, isn't it? (laughs) Not only, yeah, not only is it not an increase, it would be a very slight decline. So if I understand her correctly, she's saying back when I forget the years she's referencing, but back then it was only 21 out of 100 guns that were produced in the United States that were AR platform firearms. Now it's all the way up to one in five. And uh, yeah, those uh, mathematically inclined would would tell us that that's roughly the same number. In fact, to your point, it's a it's a small decrease, not some sort of increase. And again, that was so dumb that I thought I have to be missing something. She must have um, misstated or maybe I'm interpreting her the wrong way. Uh, There's no way that she just said that seriously. Or maybe she clarified. No, in fact, people were ripping her math. And so she responded on Twitter, quote, actually, I was almost a, a math major at Stanford, as though that means anything or as though that makes her prior math 
correct. But I guess I could see why you were almost a math major at Stanford. Uh, the rest of the points obviously are, are pure nonsense too. 560 or whatever mass shootings a, a year. That's the claim. That's the, the count from the gun violence archive, the source that they love to cite. Now the gun violence archive has highly questionable criteria or methods for what counts as a mass shooting. My, I think their, uh, their definition is any shooting injuring three or more people. Something close to that, if I'm not uh, specifically correct. But what happens when you change that, when you make the definition just injuring three or more people and there's no location constraint on that? Well, a huge percentage of the things that count as quote unquote mass shootings in, in the data are just urban gang shootings. And it's not that those don't matter. They do. But that's not really the same thing as a guy rolling into a shopping mall or a school with a rifle and shooting mm -hmm. up the place. The overwhelming majority of these things that they're calling mass shootings are committed with handguns, not rifles, generally in urban centers. Again, generally gang warfare type scenarios. But uh, anyway, uh, speaking of mass shooters, though. Oh, did I forget to grab? Did I forget to grab this? Uh, this story, let me plug it in here quickly, because uh, I know a lot of people mentioned last week. How are you guys not even considering the possibility that Robert Card, that that the feds were just in his ear giving him instructions for how to do the mass shooting in his fancy hearing aids or whatever. And I didn't mean to dismiss that point, because why would I? That sounds like a perfectly reasonable explanation in today's context. But there was some additional detail this week that came out. He was hearing voices in his head that were calling him a pedophile. Well, he was he hearing voices... Um through his hearing aids saying that other people were calling him a pedophile. That's no, it's okay. So the voice wasn't saying you are a pedophile, but that guy no. down there called you one. Right. And he told his family this because what we initially, what was initially reported is that people, he thought people were talking about him and that was being um, conveyed to him through his hearing aid. And his, he told his family, like, listen, all these people at this cornhole game are saying that I'm a pedophile, which was untrue, of course. And, um, you know, they called the police multiple times. And the National Guard. So he spent two weeks at a psychiatric hospital in New York. Um, and he, he had said to his family that he was going to take care of these people that called him a pedophile. So they, they did what they could. They called police multiple times. The last time they called the police was late September. The shooting happened uh, at the end of October. Um, and then he was also getting hella wasted all the time. He was drinking hmm. a lot, which probably contributed to his mental state at the time of the shooting. Um so all, all around, this seems like a case. I don't know. I think it's more likely that he was a paranoid schizophrenic, although they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the feds does. identify those opportunities. They do identify those opportunities, but I think it's it's probably or this is probably an organic shooting. All right, fine. If you want to moderate your perspective on that, there was um one of uh, another guy in the Army Reserve had said something to the effect of that guy is going to do a mass shooting soon in recent weeks. And lo and behold. His family, um, when they called the Army National Guard, they were like, listen, he's going crazy. He's he's hallucinating. He's having paranoid delusions and he has tons of guns and access to guns. You guys have to do something about this. And they were like, go to this hospital for two weeks or whatever. And as a but reminder, he wasn't 5150, yeah. so he didn't lose his access to weapons. Right. And as a reminder, authorities in Maine had the legal authority, police had the legal authority to pursue uh, a court order to remove his guns that was never pursued. Uh, it's not red flag because family members don't have that authority, but it's yellow flag in Maine because police have that authority and that authority was not exercised, but dang it. We're always just one law short 
Good thing that that bowling alley was a gun-free zone because it's family-friendly. That really helped out yeah. everybody who was yep. in there. Thank, thank God it was a family-friendly death when he rolled in there. Could have been terrible otherwise. Uh, all right, I want to check in briefly on Chris Christie watch because now that uh, Mike Pence is out, Chris Christie is the leading why-is-he-even-running candidate. Yesterday, Christie, along with other candidates, including Trump and DeSantis, spoke at the Florida Freedom Summit in I can never pronounce this Florida city correctly. Kissimmee? It's not Kissimmee. It's Kissimmee, I think, right? It's not Kissimmee? No, I think it's Kissimmee, the capital of Florida. Floridians, please mm. correct me. It's like saying uh, Melbourne in Spanish. Or Spanish. Aust- like the Australians say it. What am I even thinking? I don't even Buddy. have the excuse that it's like two hours into the stream. Whatever. Uh, Chris Christie was immediately heckled and booed and started doing the uh, the a few good men routine. You guys can't even handle the truth. Here's Chris Christie. Your anger, your anger, your anger against the truth is reprehensible. When you think about the problems that our country and this world is facing, this type of pettiness is beneath the process of electing a president. The problem is you fear the truth. You want to shout down any voice that says anything different than what you want to hear. Believe me, it doesn't bother me one bit. Dude, his entire purpose is just to present opposition to Trump and to sabotage his campaign. He knows that that everyone hates him. Uh, that's the only reason he's even making a public appearance. It's so spiteful and bizarre. It is weird. He is uh, out of all the candidates where, you know, they have some ulterior motive. They're trying to accomplish something else. Chris Christie is. The I one respect I, his the least. Yeah. Well, I don't get it other than I hate Trump. But it's like, yeah, you were on TV for he was on uh, ABC's Sunday show every week. Now he's not because he's a candidate. But he this is not his biggest platform for hating Trump. And yet he does it. Uh, I, I really don't get the strategy here. Like, what is he trying to achieve? But and even just from a campaign perspective. Now, when I listen to him speak, his point that it's good to hear uh, viewpoints and opinions of opposition, I understand. Like, yeah, that is good to hear. But if you're a candidate, your job is to win the support of those people. You don't really win their support by telling them that they're effectively basket of deplorables people that they can't handle the truth and that they're reprehensible for their views or I guess for their you know booing and heckling of your speech or whatever. Uh, I, I, I can agree on the point with while disagreeing with the execution. Like if you want to persuade people, you need to do better than you suck F you, which is basically what <laughs> yeah, he's doing on the stage there. So, um, oh, and if, for as much as he hates Trump, I was looking up at his numbers earlier today. Uh, Trump's favorability ratings are underwater, as they always are. Trump is very polarizing insofar as he's pretty much the most loved and the most hated. And there's nobody who has a a, a, a kind of a middle of the road or or there's nobody who has a, a moderate opinion of him, I suppose. And there's nobody who um, who lacks an opinion on him. Chris Christie is actually more hated than Donald Trump is. Chris Christie's aggregated approval rating that I was looking at earlier today was down barely over 20 percent. Everybody hates him. He can't help himself. So uh, I don't know. Will Chris Christie make it to Iowa? He's banking on um, New Hampshire 
That's what he thinks he's going to win. He's going to win in New Hampshire. But I, I don't even know if he gets there. We'll see. Meanwhile, uh, as we talk about all, pretty soon we'll get into all the problems um, across the globe. Uh, there's another caravan head, heading to our border, though. And the, the leader of the caravan is saying, yeah, this is all Biden's fault, but uh, we're going anyway. Apparently, so the leader just came out and talked about this all candidly, which I kind of thought was hilarious, but it's thousands of migrants set off on foot for the U.S. from southern Mexico. And then they're they're saying that like a lot of them are Venezuelan, but I'm not seeing a lot of evidence of that, but they're, they're mostly from Central or South America. Um, so even worse than Mexico is what I'm is what I'm suspecting about. We've the had the Asian rankings. We need to have the Latino, <laughs> sorry, the Latinx rankings. Okay, if I could kick out, I mean, of course, Mexicans in number, but the Guatemalans are a real problem. Guatemalans, have you heard that before? I don't They're know. So but tiny. They're just the I, tiniest. I have a positive view of El Salvador based on the president. Uh, Why? Oh, the president is awesome. Have you looked into him? Yes, I know, but yeah. but they are among amongst the the worst. Well, I don't know. I'm just I'm just crime. thinking. I don't know. I haven't thought about the ranking. And then I watched Scarface. Although I guess. Well, he went down to, in the movie. He went down to what, like Colombia or Bolivia? Which mm-hmm. one was it? I can't remember. Probably Colombia. All right. Well, um, the, the ones with the best cocaine rank highly, I guess. <laughs> so it's the organizer is saying it's 7000 uh, people now, but I don't know how he could possibly know that. And that's up from 5000 uh, two days ago. Um, yeah, I mean, what's, what's the plan here in 2023, this is what us border patrol and, um, Homeland security is saying. So I'm sure it's, it's much higher than this, but they're saying they apprehended more than 200,000 migrants crossing the yeah. us Mexico border in September. Yeah. In well, September alone. When I was looking at this story, I'm like, wow, 7,000 people and counting. I mean, that is a massive humanity approaching the border. I also remember last month when we clipped 10,000 migrants a day crossing the border so it's kind of like status quo more than anything shocking but uh, um we have a clip don't we well yeah this is the leader of the organizer say or the leader of the of the um of the caravan saying yeah this is biden's fault now we are learning more about a caravan of nearly 5,000 people making their way to the united states from southern mexico the leader of that caravan yeah there's one leader saying this. I believe that uh, the, the Biden administration has uh, dropped the ball. Joe Biden administration has lost the ball. Has lost, does not know what to do with immigration, has been this and another thing, and has lost a lot of the power or hasn't even called the countries into sitting down and make sure that he finds a way to, to stop this immigration, this bleeding. He, he has he's just lost the ball. He's not doing anything. I don't even understand what he's saying. He has not found a way to stop me from coming. I can't really imitate his accent. So I will, I will keep doing it. <laughs> but I don't. Did I just go Indian? I don't. I yeah, don't I don't know. know. I, he's, I don't know. I guess Hispanic or whatever. Uh, Latinx accents are not my strength, but <laughs> I don't understand the logic is what I'm trying to say. He's doing a bad job of stopping me. I guess. Fair point. All right. Uh, you want to talk about the uh, the protests over the weekend in D.C.? Yeah, I uh, guess so. Tens of thousands gathered in D.C. at Freedom Plaza over the weekend to support Palestine and call for a ceasefire in the war with Israel. The protest was organized primarily by nine different activist groups. These groups arranged for transportation of people from 22 states, reportedly. I saw some estimates of the crowd as big as 300,000 people, but those estimates were from the activists or the organizers. Mm. More realistically, I see reports that say about 100,000 people. Either way, 
a lot. A lot of people were in the Capitol over the weekend. And it got very interesting for a few reasons. Uh, number one, last night it got a little insurrection-y at the White House. I don't want to overstate. <laughs> but I also know that insurrection is a loosely applied term. So so they were they were shaking on the gate. And they were smearing red paint to represent blood on the property. Some of these protesters were even shouting Allahu Akbar at the White House. And then into the night, many of these protesters were uh, were actually chanting, fuck Joe Biden. Here's some of the scenes. Genocide Joe is what we're chanting. And then fuck Joe Biden. Right. Having a lot of mixed feelings right now. Well, they're going to be strange. As we'll see with the Antifa and the Muslims in a moment, and even Joe Biden and the activists here, there are going to be a lot of strange enemies and strange bedfellows and all sorts of weird things going on. According to Rolling Stone, other chants, uh, they got very creative. How do you like this one? Uh, Biden, Biden, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. (laughs) Hey, hey, ho, ho. Genocide Joe has got to go. That was another one. Always with the hey, hey, ho, ho. Of all the long-standing chants, the hey, hey, ho, ho one, uh, they they always seem to go with. I don't know if Kamala Harris as anti-Islamophobia czar was able to protect these people or not. But uh, in addition to being the czar on the border and the czar on whatever else, now she's in, as we heard in the intro, now she is launching the first ever White House Islam anti-Islamophobia council or whatever they're doing. I'm sure they'll stop it dead in its tracks. Now, despite um, a little bit of vandalism, I mean, there was some significant vandalism. You saw the paint on the um, on the White House gate there. They put a bunch of bloody red hands on it. They actually vandalized some statues around D.C. as well with your typical spray paint graffiti stuff. There was only one arrest on the day, and that apparently was for destruction of property at a nearby McDonald's damaged by the mob. You can see broken glass and some spray paint on the uh, window of the McDonald's there. So uh, this uh, I suppose this gets interesting. And this is what I was talking about in the in the um, in the intro there. Like I'm supposed to believe that all of these people are suddenly uh, opposed to Joe Biden, that they have realized that he supports the genocidal force in Israel that they all oppose and they hate him now and all this. Um, First of all, like Joe Biden's not going to do he's not going to change anything in response to this. And the thing is, I don't think he has to. And I don't even mean that to say like, oh, uh, it's obviously rigged for Joe Biden. So it doesn't matter who votes for him or who doesn't. These people, I think, are a bunch of liars. They're all talking about how they're done with Joe Biden and fuck Joe Biden. And he's genocide Joe. When it comes to Election Day, every single one of these people is mailing in their ballot for Joe Biden, because at least he's not Trump. Every single one of them will do it. Yeah. 
I don't I don't buy for a second that they are now opposed to Joe Biden. We've seen um, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and and several of those the 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 so-called squad in Congress saying things to the effect of either you secure a ceasefire or you know you can't count on our support. I don't believe them either. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I yep. think that even in the hotly contested Israel-Palestine conflict, Democrat Party loyalty trumps literally everything. Or do you think that you think there's any truth to the other side? You think this will actually fracture progressives? Because I don't buy that. I doubt it. I mean, they're pretty good at staying unified in the face of hating each other. But um, a good litmus test for that. Have you been following the H3H3 thing? I, I've only heard that his audience has turned on him because... They, I don't know, I guess my understanding is they are uh, an anti-Israel crowd and he's a pro-Israel guy. Is that fair to say? Well, he was doing a show with Hassan Piker. Hmm. Hassan, is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they just were, they were at such an impasse discussing this, even though to Ethan's credit, um, he did have a lot more sympathy for Palestinians than Hassan Piker did for Israelis. I suppose not to his credit, but um, the audience just has just mutinied and they keep canceled the show. <clears throat> Ethan did. Temporarily or permanently? I mean, he said it was temporary, but I, I can't imagine his show with Hassan Piker. I can't, I can't imagine oh, oh, it's not. I, yeah. I guess uh, so not his. I, I don't follow everything he does because I'm not a fan. Well, Hila was but... in the IDF. So interesting. Uh, okay. I would imagine that there's nothing that he can really do about it. And then he, they're of course super Jewish. So they've got opinions on this, but like I, I saw, I've seen clips of him talking about it. He just looks like absolute hell. Like this is just destroying his life. Well, so, you in know, fairness, he had elements of that prior to this particular, but issue. he looks like destroyed. He just looks really, really bad. So I, I think that, you know, if this is a microcosm that, that represents the left, it's possible that um that they fracture on this but but generally i think they're they're pretty good at, at holding it together in the face of the really really egregious disagreements philosophically yeah i i think joe biden could commit uh, could commit the entirety of the u.s budget to israel and these people would still vote for him yeah i, I i'm convinced of that but i invite being uh proved wrong on that please do prove me wrong i would i would love to see it Uh, I mentioned uh, how all of this just creates uh, attempts at strange alliances, strange enemies. Uh, There's a lot of this particular issue fractures people in many different ways. And one of those ways that was hilarious to watch was in an exchange with um, Antifa Palestine sympathizers and Muslims on the streets of London. So uh, Billboard Chris, who we've talked to, he's the guy who, uh, you know, is known for touring around and walking around with billboards or signs about gender ideology and just trying to spark public conversations about why gender ideology is a bunch of nonsense. But in particular, the push of transgenderism on children is a major problem. So I don't know what exactly his sign said in London, but I assume it was something to the effect of his usual message that, hey, uh, we shouldn't be making children transgender for reasons X, Y and Z. Yep. And this happens in the context of a bunch of pro-Palestine protests like we're seeing in the U.S. And so you have Antifa sympathizers there and you have Muslim activists there. And the Antifa sympath- uh, the Antifa activists are very mad at Billboard Chris for being an anti-transgender uh, bigot. He's a transphobe. And so in this exchange, the Antifa guy tries to appeal to the Muslims who he thinks are on his side because Billboard Chris is a transphobe. 
But the Muslims quickly correct him. No, no, no. That transgender stuff is really a bunch of bullshit. Prove any of your points because you actually have no evidence. Free Palestine! Do you know about half of these kids? anti-LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ propaganda. He's trying to tell children that they're not allowed to be trans. Yeah, they're making fun of his black nail polish uh classic but that was uh that was an interesting encounter you know i mean the the, the billboard chris stuff is I mean, obviously, he's still talking gender ideology, but the way that that has overlapped with Israel-Palestine now has made that dynamic even more interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what this Antifa man will do. Will he stand by his trans allies or will he submit to the curvy Aladdin sword of Islam? Yeah, it's a real dilemma. It's a real pickle that he's in. I don't know how he solves that one. Anyway, uh, any other thoughts that you have on uh, the the protests going on in D.C. and elsewhere? I mean, I hope this rips them apart. Uh, I personally feel conflicted about it. I mean, more than anything, I'm ambivalent. That's really that. That's what pisses me off the most about this: that that the average person in America is not ambivalent about this. Well, uh, there are few things that can motivate that many people to go to D.C. to demonstrate in the way that just happened. Now, in fairness, we see the um, what's the what's the pro-life one that happens every single year? It's not. I was. I always want to say something like March the for Women's Our Lives, March. but that's the, <laughs> that's the David Hogg's gun control one. I mean, these happen. It's not never. So I don't want to overstate and say that Americans don't care about American issues on the scale of this one. But there's no doubting that this particular issue does motivate people to get active in a way that, frankly, I just I, I find a little bit confusing not because there aren't important issues to be settled here but because it is an issue that's on the other side of the world and we have significant problems facing our own country so i'm not mad at anybody for having a strong opinion about this conflict i just find it odd that of all the things that would motivate you to the to go to the capital of our country and take to the streets and and really be outraged that this would be the one but for many it is i yeah i mean yeah I wish that we would care as much about our own country in many contexts as we do about other countries. And that includes what's going on um, in the Middle East. But it also includes what's going on uh, with Ukraine and Russia, of course. Um, yes. Because uh, we have a whole political fight going on over over foreign aid now. Um, and that includes Israel and Ukraine. So Congress, of course, overwhelmingly agrees that we have to keep shoveling money and resources overseas. That's not disputed. The parties are unified on that. They just can't agree on exactly how to do that. And recall when we last left our discussion with new uh, or of new house speaker, Mike Johnson, whose name I think I got correct this time, not Mike Rogers, not Joe Johnson, but Mike Johnson <laughs> said he was going to try two things. He's going to separate the bills to support Israel and to support Ukraine into two different bills. Unlike the hundred billion dollar combo package that Joe Biden has proposed. And the reason that he's going to do that presumably is because he's going to try to leverage these things into getting other things out of it. But it's it, some level, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at these proposals individually. 
Johnson said that our country's most serious threat is our national debt. He said that when he took the gavel. And that's a, I, I agree. I think that that's probably the most serious problem facing our country with the possible. Well, I would say maybe that ranks number two to what's going on at the border. But I wouldn't not going to argue those with inter, those inter, those uh, issues are intertwined. Yeah. I'm not going to say someone's crazy for saying that our, our national debt and our out of control government spending are the biggest threat to our country. That makes sense. But so he acknowledges that, but then he, his, his way to handle this foreign aid is not to not to take the stance of no foreign aid is my first opening position here. And if we're going to negotiate <laughs> drastically reduced foreign aid, I hope is the compromise. OK, no, instead, it's just how about we cut domestic spending and then send that money and overseas, that money to- which is arguably worse. Like if the crooks in D.C. are going to steal my money. At least give it to people in my country. In my I mean, country. Holy cow. No, no, no. Now what we're going to do, this is the great plan, is uh, it's not gonna, this particular iteration of it is not going to happen, but this is what was proposed. We discussed this a little bit last week. Uh, we're going to give the $14.3 billion to Israel as Joe Biden requested, but we are going to take that from the spending for the IRS that was part of uh, Joe Biden's, um, was it the, yeah, it was in, in the Inflation Reduction Act. So and somehow I guess that's supposed to be a win for like small government conservatism or something. But you're not actually changing anything about tax and spend. You're just changing the way that the spend happened. And as I said, it's if I have to have the money spent taken from me and spent, I would prefer it stays in my country. I would prefer it doesn't go well, somewhere else. Of course. yeah. But um, so so I, I fail to see how that's a win on any kind of principle whatsoever, other than it chips away a little bit at Joe Biden's monstrosity of a bill that was that was passed. Uh, what, uh, a, a year and a half ago or whenever that was. Uh, but, you know, fundamentally, that proposal does nothing to reduce the size of government, reduce that the, the most significant threat that we face, according to the speaker. It doesn't really matter. This is kind of a just a philosophical discussion because that proposal is dead on arrival in the Senate because Chuck Schumer says they're not even going to consider it because he says it's not a serious proposal because he wants a package that funds Israel and Ukraine together because reasons. I don't even know why funding them individually is not a serious proposal. Why can't you yeah. do that? I'm not saying you have to agree with me that we should drastically reduce foreign aid of all sorts, though I would like it if people agreed with that statement. But it is possible to it to be a person who says, I think aid to Israel makes sense because X, Y, Z. I don't think aid to Ukraine makes sense because ABC or vice versa. You can hold that position. Why do you have to do them together? I don't know. That's why Chuck Schumer says it's not serious, but. Uh, so as far as how they're going to handle aid to, to uh, Israel, that remains to be seen. They'll have to negotiate that. The uh, the other interesting thing about uh, that proposal was, according to the Congressional Budget Office, it actually would not do anything for they're saying it would worsen the deficit, the deficit being the difference between what we take in and what we spend. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, was saying if Johnson's proposal of taking the money from the IRS and sending it to Israel were to happen, that would be worse for the deficit because the IRS would be would have fewer resources to go get a bunch of their tax money. And so revenues would decline. Right. Uh, that, that was their particular piece of analysis. So if you buy that, you could even make the argument that Mike Johnson's idea worsens the deficit. In fact, though, 
Of course, the deficit would not be improved in such a scenario by a reduction in spending, which is our problem. It would be improved by a very minor increase in the IRS taking more of our money, which is not a solution to our problem. But just an interesting point on what they have to say about it. Um, But Mike Johnson is thinking the same idea on Ukraine aid. Uh, he, He wants to pair border security with Ukraine spending or sending resources to Ukraine. Joe Biden has already kind of proposed this in his $100 billion package saying uh, we're going to do our own border security along with aid to Israel, along with aid to Ukraine. And remember, in that $100 billion package, it's something like $60 billion for Ukraine and $14 billion for Israel. It's still four times the money for Ukraine that's being proposed. Oh my God. Uh, but Joe Biden was saying, yeah, so we're, sickening. we're going to have border security in there, too. As far as I'm aware, and I haven't looked at all the details, but I believe at least a portion of what Joe Biden is talking about when he says border security is housing for illegal immigrants. Like they need a place to be while they await their court dates. So it's border security to build hotels to put them in or something like that. When he says border security, he's not talking about catapults. Obviously, he's not talking about helicopters or any of that uh, related infrastructure. But speaking today, Mike Johnson says he wants to link Ukraine spending to his own uh, idea or his own package of border security or House Republicans' own package of of border security. That specific bill is not yet proposed or written. But Johnson says they're going to bring all necessary spending bills to the floor before the November 17th deadline when the government's current spending expires again. (laughs) Once again, we're having this fight about how to how our how our government will operate financially and chief among the concerns is how much money we're going to send overseas and in exactly what way that is what the holdup is here to decide whether our government will even function at all it's not like how's our country going to run how are we going to make our country secure no no how many dollars are going over to those countries and what specifics attach to those proposals if any well, that's how they're ensuring their individual security. That's why. Yeah, well, you, you have to reach that conclusion because if, regardless of any of those specifics, you, get, you have to ask yourself that question. If our politicians insist so much on border security for Israel and for Ukraine or for any other country, a foreign country, and I'm not, those countries are entitled to their own border security. I don't think they're entitled to my money to achieve it, but I'm not saying they don't have a valid interest in their border security. I'm just saying if we believe that global security is dependent on the Israeli border and the Ukrainian border. And those same politicians who insist that will turn around and tell you, yeah, but our border doesn't matter that much. You have to, that contradiction is so glaring. You have to ask yourself what they're getting out of this arrangement. And I have to assume that the money is coming back to them in one way or another, that the old Ukrainian laundromat is hard at work. And many of the people who espouse this completely incoherent position are simply trying to rationalize a way in which they personally benefit financially or those close to them. It's the only thing that makes sense. But uh, but speaking of Ukraine, quickly before the top of the hour here, uh, Ukraine, they really, uh, they really want the money, still, Zelensky does. They really need the money because it sounds like things aren't going great in the war. There was a lengthy cover piece this week. Uh, Time Magazine reports that Among other things, a top Ukrainian presidential advisor is warning that, quote, people are stealing like there's no tomorrow. People being Ukrainian government officials or people who otherwise have their hands in the Ukrainian cookie jar. When this uh, this particular advisor was asked about bribes and corruption, and that's what he said. 
Americans have turned against support for Ukraine with 59% now opposed to sending more weapons and money up. That's up 30 uh, up from 35% in June. The southeastern part of Ukraine, which is predominantly Russian speakers, remains under Russian control. Zelensky's close advisor warns him that he's deluding himself into believing that Ukraine is winning when they aren't. The report says it's not guns and ammo that Ukraine needs. It's soldiers. Uh, Draft officers are pulling men off trains and buses to send them to the front. According to this report, 100,000 have died on, on either side of the war. Ukraine has to draft older men because they're running out of younger men. The average age of a Ukrainian soldier is now 43, according to this Mm. report. So in addition to questioning why we should continue to fund what appears to be a losing effort, or at least a stalemate effort, instead of negotiating for peace, you got to wonder why media are finally turning on Zelensky, too. What has changed here? Why is Zelensky no longer the darling? And uh, Zelensky himself is now lamenting how the war in Gaza has taken the focus off the Ukraine and Russia war. Speaking at Saturday's briefing in Kiev with visiting European uh, Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. <laughs> However you pronounce that. Zelensky says, name. quote, it is clear that the war in the Middle East is taking away the focus from Ukraine. He then listed his Venmo, PayPal and cash app address for you to send your lunch money to it. <laughs> Just kidding. The U.S. government steals that from you anyway, and uh, you have little yeah. to no say in the matter. But it the actually, irony of, of the, the stolen money thing, all of this money is stolen from me. I didn't consent to any of it being sent over there, and most Americans would agree. Yeah, uh, well, Just the fact that they're vying for all of this, this money that's just been stolen out of the pockets of Americans. So sickening. And you got um, half whatever. the country... Half the country eager to cut the check. And hey, if that's you, if you believe in the Ukrainian cause, uh, great. I, I don't think you're, you're free to uh, to Venmo Zelensky personally anytime you want. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But uh, it, is, it sounds like Europe is getting sick of it, too, and potentially maybe U.S. officials as well, or just getting realistic about the prospects for what the what the end is here in the Ukraine-Russia mm-hmm. war. According to NBC News on Friday, U.S. and European officials have begun quietly talking to the Ukrainian government about what possible peace negotiations with Russia might entail oh, to end the war. This according Russian to, sympathizers, they should be on some kind of watch list. Yeah, Putin apologists. Or whatever they were doing to us, Putin apologists. Yeah. Uh, this is according to you know, the usual, the anonymous sources, one senior U.S. official and one former senior U.S. official familiar with the discussion. So, as always, take it with a grain of salt, but... Maybe we are having conversations about finding a way to end this uh, particular conflict. The discussions reportedly have included broad outlines of what Ukraine might need to give up to reach a deal. The discussions are happening now. Apparently, some of this started last month, uh, but they're happening because the U.S. and European officials are worried the war has reached a stalemate and that international aid for Ukraine will uh, have to have conditions. So. You know, again, you were you were Putin apologist to suggest this a year and a half ago that maybe it would be wiser to negotiate some sort of agreement than it would to be sending a bunch of money and a bunch of people to their deaths for a, what sounds like it has been kind of a, a futile effort for the last little while. And we're now a year and a half into it. Um, we're going to have those negotiations and those concessions anyway. It sounds like is the trajectory here just with billions of dollars spent and thousands of lives lost. So congratulations to. If that's the way it goes, and again, I'm not, I don't know if that's the the way that it goes. 
But if that is the way that it goes, I mean, that whole claim that, oh, this was money well spent because we're weakening the Russian military <laughs> just by cutting checks to Zelensky and da da da. I, I, I don't think this was a good deal from the start. In fact, I think it was no, indeed. the greatest ripoff since coronavirus. But uh, don't worry, we'll set a new record very soon with some other made up scam, I'm sure. Anyway, that's the end of the uh, Ukraine stuff. We are a little past the top of the hour, so it would be good to get into the chat unless you had anything else to say about that. Nope, I do have to go to the bathroom. It's just going to get worse from this part of the pregnancy. I'm surprised you made it that can't long. Even, that's over an hour. Can't even. I know. I can't even make it like. I, I peed four times in the night last night. It's a disaster. Hmm. All right, you get started over there and I'll be Yeah, right I'll start on Rumble here and I'll move uh, over to YouTube and Tippy. Yanko1977 says, it's odd to see progressives support Hamas, which is a militant group that adheres to a religion which subjugates women and throws gays off tall buildings. I guess they hate Jews more than Islamists. Well, uh, if there is uh, an attempt at such a marriage, if this uh, courtship is consummated down the line, uh, their love for Islamists is not going to be reciprocated. I think they will learn. We'll see what direction that goes. But it is uh, interesting to watch the attempted friendships, indeed. Your uh, friendly neighborhood fed uh, vote no on issue one, which legalizes abortion up to birth and sex changes for minors without parental consent. Uh, let's stop this abomination from becoming constitutional law. I, yeah, I did see a little bit of reporting about that in Ohio. And I know there are some other, uh, I think there's one in Virginia. There's some other important uh, stuff coming up on the ballot for Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope those things are, um, I hope those things are defeated. But abortion, abortion has been a weird one. I mean, there's no denying that the abortion issue electorally has gone the wrong way in a lot of different um, elections after the Dobbs decision. And I always get amused by um, whenever reporters ask politicians, I think Glenn Youngkin was on uh, one of the Sunday shows this morning and I saw the uh, reporter asked him something to the effect of has the abortion issue been damaging to Republicans politically? I think the answer to that is, is probably yes. insofar as they've suffered political defeats, but anybody who would say like, well, I'm willing to surrender some political, def I, I care more about my political prospects than I do about, uh, than I do about protecting innocent unborn life, I think is uh, a moral a fraud dick. on that issue. Like if, if you psychotic, yeah, that's weird. Like I, I, I will accept X amount of bodies if it means that I get elected to office would be a weird stance to take. And for anybody that thinks it's been politically damaging to Republicans. Yeah, uh, I, I suppose there's some political truth to that. But, you know, I, I would I would just say at at what cost in the alternative? Like uh, there's yeah. <laughs> it's it's and that's the way you have to think about it. It's um. Uh, in a lot of black pill moments throughout the last few years, the returning of that issue to the states and at least finding some moral clarity in some places is one of the more encouraging things. And and I think that over time, these people probably will lose this argument. I just I think that uh, especially as science advances and, and the ability to sustain life earlier and earlier and plus just given the scientific reality of, of, of what it means to be a genetically distinct human being. Yeah. You know, the survival rate of babies at 22 weeks now is at 23%. Yeah. I, I just don't think they're going to win this. Two weeks. I, I think, uh, I think this will be one of those things that, that we'll look back on in the future and realize it was barbaric, but it is frustrating now. Most people to, believe abortion's wrong. I, I think that a lot of it, 
I don't know. Like I, I, one of the propaganda pieces I saw on this thing in Ohio was like a, an Ohio Republican woman who was explaining why she's pro-choice. And it's because she believes in like small government, leave me alone principles. Okay. I mean, I don't think that that follows because I don't like, like if, if my neighbor kills his wife, I don't say, uh, well, that was just his business. Keep the government out of it. That was his business to maintain. I mean, in a but, perfect rush. It <laughs> depends. Was she a mouthy bitch or not? Yeah, really? Um, but I just thought it was so odd because she said I, I would never vote for like a, an abortion absolutist candidate as a Republican, like somebody who, who would take the line of like no abortion ever pretty much with maybe some possible exceptions. I thought that's so weird. Like you care about all these issues so much, but you care more about the, the so-called freedom to kill your kids in a way that you personally say you would never do anyway. Yeah. And if you say you wouldn't do it, the question is why? And I give, I assume you're going to give me some answer about why it's kind of morally wrong to do that in a way that would be, very analogous to murder. In fact, some might say it would be the exact same thing. Yeah, but I mean, that's not a good argument, but at least it's an argument. My problem is this disingenuous argument that what we're what we're doing is is um, stopping a child from being born rather than extinguishing a unique life. Yeah, like it's the lie because women are going into it and having abortions, accepting that premise. And then it becomes incredibly psychologically damaging later when you realize what you've done. Uh, yeah, and, that, that's the part that is is rarely discussed too. how damaging it is to the people who choose to do this. You could become just like Bussy Phillips or whatever her name is. Busy Phillips. I don't, I don't know what her name is. Screaming on a stage about how you never would have had an acting career if you weren't able to kill your kids because she looks satisfied and happy. Didn't Michelle Williams also do that? I can't remember, but I think it was at on stage when she was accepting some kind of award. She was talking about that. Wow. What are you saying? This is just, but they believe it. I mean, they really do believe it. It was really great that I shot my kid in the face for career advancement. I'm glad I was yeah. free to do that. Uh, well, may God have mercy on their souls. I mean, I'm surprised you're willing to hope for that. I thought you would hope for uh, vengeance and damnation. I don't know. Forgiveness is a Christian tenet or something. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Fedman. Uh, fed, 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 hill, fed, fed. Hillbilly fed. Deluxe. Of course, Don Lemon has no problem with woman face. He and Kamala have the same hobby. Hot dicks to the throat are their common denominator. Ew. <laughs> I mean, there's no pun in that at all. That's just that's factual, disgusting. Factual statement. I, I the joke was right there. Hillbilly Deluxe. I, how did I not make that connection? The Kamala. I mean, I, thank you. That that was the joke that I should have uh, had in the bag and I didn't. So I appreciate the correction on that. Uh, let's get a few over on YouTube and Tippy. We'll hop back into the news. Sure. Long time, John. Matt and I just had a fancy dinner. I asked him when we'd next make love. And he said, after the next call-in show, anytime now, Matt, we're going to be waiting. You're acting queer. Yeah. It could come back. I, I'm not saying never, but uh, we have a replacement show on Wednesday night. I have a replacement. Who is show. we? Blonde's not there, but Tim, the producer, <laughs> no. Tim, our call screener, is uh, my producer. The Matt Christensen Hour debuts mm. Wednesday night on the t- on the uh, channels of Tenant Media, so that'll be a lot of fun. It's like during or right after the debates. Oh, really? So maybe I'll do a little bit of debate breakdown. I don't know. I don't have a plan just yet, but uh, don't it'll be get showed for the copyright strike. Yeah, I might it have to watch happens. that. Um, I bought PM. Thank you. No, no. Uh, Orion, buddy came to work with a puppy leg and a lot of pain. So of course I said it's DVT after arguing 
I bet him a drink on it. ER docs and says there's a clot. It's not deep DVT because it's not DVT. in a it's not in a deep vein. I call BS. Who owes the drink? This is a Matt question. I have no clue. So if you said it was DVT, which is a specific thing, and the the diagnosis was not DVT, I would I say think you lose. Yeah, I think you lose because the the terms were not general enough. If you just said blood clot in general, mm-hmm. but if it's a puffy yeah. leg, lot of pain, and and there is a clot. What the hell else is it's So it's not a deep vein. It's a clot in another vein in your leg. It's a shallow vein. You know, it's an SVT. I would argue for a push on this because it's one of those that is so close and kind of ambiguous around the edges. I, if it was me, I would just say that bet is canceled. Can we agree on that? Nobody owes anybody because that's it. buy the guy a drink. He's going to die from DVT. Okay. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, it's not. It's not him. Yeah, you're right. It's the buddy who has the DVT. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. Uh, get that guy's money. Don't be an asshole. You just gave us twenty dollars. <laughs> uh, and by the way, thank you. I bought I forgot. To give him <laughs> Bernie. I am not going to be niggardly. Bill Biz, U.S. Israeli is Israel. I can read Ukraine billions to be transferred between Zogs. Not a question of if, but simply how much. Yes. How much money that we don't have can we give to these countries? How much? That's what occupies our Congress currently. Most important question in our country. Mint 20. No edgy chats about the Jews or the Palestinians tonight. Just wanted to say thanks for my Sandy safe space. (laughs) Thank you. We appreciate it. But he added Mossad gave him a warning. Please send help. So they're coming to get him. Oh, did he? I I know that's bullshit, though, because Mossad doesn't give warnings. He'd be dead by now. They don't. They would have chopped your head off. Um, But he did spell Jews with a three instead of (laughs) Chemical 666, after 22 years, I retired from active duty on Friday. Thanks for being my sanity safe space. Shout out to my guys in Naval Mobile Construction Battalion 5. Well, thank you, sir. Stay safe. Uh, We love you. You're very special. Thanks for supporting the show and thanks for serving the country. Congratulations on the end of your career as well. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot is today the fifth yeah it is oh, wow and indeed and i know that movie reference now because it's one of the better movies that we've watched in the history of the bit thank you <laughs> moist, not Bunk. moist parts blonde wondering if your nose has given you the ability to run fast play basketball or made you more impulsive when are you planning to abandon <laughs> your family love you faggots you suck fucking Okay, yeah, I, I understand that my nose is retaining water. I don't know what's going on. What I do know is that I'm not getting any of the benefits of having a giant nose. You can't it's play basketball. You it's not just that. Yeah. I have no urge to loot. I, you know, I'm still taking care of my kids. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> no, but I, I can't breathe out of this, out of my nose. That's the real problem. Your, like if your it's breathing capacity huge, has declined. My breathing capacity is markedly reduced, and I think that that might be the reason for the increased size of my nose. Hmm. It's also really, really red. Ugh. Never doing this again. I don't care that it's a girl. I'm not doing this. Uh, should we circle back? Uh, yeah, let's take a break there. Thank you guys for your chats. We'll come back to them. Um, the, I'll have uh, to just circle show. back with you. Getting back into the news. Uh, well, my sources say that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is getting the exact same uh, cell guard that Epstein had in prison, which is a very unlucky draw. I don't know. Is he still alive at this hour? Has anybody checked up on him? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Well, 
I suppose there's not, uh, I don't know. I mean, should, should we find this surprising convicted on all counts? I mean, it seems the facts are, are, are not, uh, very unclear. So I suppose I'm not surprised to see him convicted on this, in this fraud scheme based on the facts. I suppose the only thing that surprises me based, that surprises me in the conviction is his connection to so many powerful people. That said, that didn't save, uh, Epstein. Well, I guess he never got to conviction. Yeah, but he right? had more blackmail, but, right? Epstein had more blackmail. Yeah. Um, oh no, was I supposed to do this section about charges? I have it pulled up anyway. Oh, um, way to drop <laughs> the ball. I, th- I thought I was only supposed to do the other one. Oh. So he was charged with seven counts of fraud, conspiracy, money laundering. Um, and he pled not guilty to all counts and he was facing 110 years in prison. So his sentencing is scheduled for March 28th, 2024. It's going to be at the discretion of this judge, but we'll talk about this in a minute. Hmm. Um, well, I, this is a trial that I would have loved to watch. It was a federal trial, so we don't get the benefit of seeing uh, what happened in the courtroom. Uh, according to reporting, there were several pieces of the trial that were particularly damaging for Sam Bra- uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, primarily the fact that those around him flipped on him and testified against him, like his weird-looking ex-girlfriend, Caroline Ellison. He had his business partner, Gary Wang, who was the uh, the <laughs> co-founder of FTX. That's a hilarious name. You're right. I can't. <laughs> Wang is just a funny last name. There's nothing you can do about yes. it. Yeah. But there was uh, this particular, at least according to this reporting. Uh, now, Caroline Ellis, uh, Ellison testifies against Sam Bankman Freed, and that's going to be damaging. But according to this reporting, there was one piece of that testimony of the evidence related to it that was damning for Sam Bankman Freed. And that was because he wrote in a letter to her, or at least he, he wrote uh, in a list of pros and cons about uh, dating her that he he's soulless, that he doesn't have a soul. This was his own description of himself. Quote, in a lot of ways, I really don't have a soul. There's a pretty decent argument that my empathy is fake, that my feelings are fake, that my facial reactions are fake. I don't feel happiness. Sorry, why is my voice cracking? I'm going to get to puberty someday, I swear. What's the point in dating someone who you who you physically can't make happy? Well, <laughs> now this was in the context of having a relationship with that weird looking chick. So it wasn't necessarily in the context of, I don't know, organizing a, a massive financial scheme to defraud uh, a whole bunch of people. But that statement, uh, what's the point in dating someone who you physically can't make happy? Is there a woman in the world who Sam Bankman Freed can physically make can, happy? Ooh. The only world in which he has a woman to pay him any attention at all, including her, is the fact that he has all of this money. If not for that, nobody is interested in those floppy mantis at all or that weird afro. That is so gross. Uh, You also had Gary Wang, as as I mentioned, uh, the co-founder of FTX. Uh, Wang testified about the relationship between FTX and Alameda. Alameda was the kind of sister company that... uh, that Caroline Ellison, his girlfriend, was running and they were uh, they were handling all these investments that went bad using consumer uh, using their customers assets to make these bad investments. But she was running that company. So about the relationship between FTX and Alameda, the co-founder Gary Wang said, quote, we gave special privileges to Alameda Research, which allowed it to withdraw unlimited amounts of funds from the platform being FTX and lied about this to the public. I mean, statements like that are hard to get over as far as the uh, the facts are concerned and the jury assessing this case. There's several other pieces here, um, but at the end, I think it's also worth noting, apparently Sam Bankman-Fried did himself no favors. He made the decision to testify on his own behalf 
And as we saw he in that- He was totally evasive and the judge hated his guts. It sounds like it. Yeah. And we've seen some of this. Remember when he did that interview with uh, the guy on CNBC, Sorkin, whatever his name is? Um, we went through that interview. What was that? End of last year. This is not a guy who is convincing on his own behalf. The best thing he ever could have done is shut the hell up. Now, I understand that if you're Sam Bankman Freed, maybe you're going to say, well, I was trying. I I recognize that I messed up. I went and did that interview and said I screwed up. Uh, first of all, that's not necessarily legally advisable. But his defense in that case was I'm trying to be transparent and honest. Well, <laughs> that, that did not work out. At least it was not convincing uh, on the stand in this particular case, because it sounds like the jury did not buy it. That it was a, a pretty quick deliberation. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I read it was just a, a matter of a few hours for the jury to convict him on all counts. And that brings us to the question of what's going to happen to him as far as his sentence. Now, in theory, he could spend the rest of his life in prison over a hundred year possible prison sentence. But it sounds like that's unlikely and not just because he's going to get Epstein or something like that. Yeah. Judge Lewis Kaplan, it gets to decide. He's facing between 110 and 115 years, but there's a sliding scale for sentencing um, according to recommended guidelines, which includes the nature of the crime and any previous crimes that he may have committed. And I don't think he had any priors. So some of the people that are coming forward that are experts, um, this Justice Department securities lady said she expects 10 or 20 to 25 years. Um, other experts have weighed in saying 10 to 20 Uh so they're saying that like the, the, the scale of the fraud was immense, which is true. And that he was defiant and he blatantly lied on the witness stand. Also true. Um, oh, I didn't catch that. I wonder what the lie was. I wonder what he said that was, he was really evasive. I didn't see anything mm-hmm. specific. Um, but I think in light of the people that were invested in, um, Oh my God, what was his company? My FTX. brain. Uh, I almost said SBF. Uh, same thing that uh, in light of the nature of the people that were involved in this scheme and how many people got many many millions of dollars tens of millions of dollars i think that he's probably going to be looking at like fewer than five years you think he'll be out you think he'll be out i think he'll be out they got to give him something because it can't be one of these things they're going to give him the hunter biden treatment where they're like we're addressing it what but, do you do? You know, it's like if Bernie Madoff ever walked out of uh, prison, what do yeah. you do? You go get a job at Subway or something? <laughs> Who is going to trust you with anything ever again? Yeah, Bernie Madoff's family was destroyed, too. I think his son committed suicide. Because hmm. of that. Uh, yeah, that that sounds uh, familiar. It wasn't that long um, ago that he died too, Bernie Madoff, like a couple years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't know. Sam Bankman-Fried will probably get out and have cooked up some other scheme in prison. He'll get an even uglier Jewish girlfriend and they'll do some weird sex stuff and it'll be leaked on the internet. And then yeah, that's how they're <laughs> yeah, maybe, their maybe that's what he'll, he'll use his tech bro skills to go make some kind of, uh, I don't know, some kind of revenge porn platform. What do you something. think he's going to get? You think he's going to spend the spend 2025? I, I have no idea it. what to expect legally. I just find the, the concept of him, getting out of prison and free to live the rest of his life. I I don't know. I mean, if, if the powers that be don't kill him for crossing them or potentially him having implicating information on them, people who lost money, regular people who lost money in this would be motivated to kill him anyway. So I could see a situation in which he's just murdered. 
I can't imagine him. But he doesn't have all of the information, like the blackmail type information, especially sexual in nature that um, Epstein had. Yeah, maybe not. I just don't I don't I don't know what you're supposed to do if you're him and you you get out like how are you supposed to I'm pretty to sure his family kind of... is independently wealthy. I think he'll be fine. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he uh I don't know. Maybe he pocketed a little bit of that money somewhere where they didn't find it and he has a, a treasure chest to rely on when he gets out. I don't know. But sounds like Did he's you gonna... see the courtroom drawing of him where he looked like some kind of absolute chad. No, where did, where did you see, see that? it? Oh God, oh, that's I think a, it was on Owen, a, Benjamin, Owen Benjamin's Twitter, but it, I think Owen Benjamin said like the courtroom reporter had to draw him like this so that it didn't look like some kind of anti-Semitic propaganda. <laughs> this in the CNBC article about his sentencing. I mean, I his girlfriend, I understand not the most photogenic girl, but this even this one is rather unfortunate. How can you be? She's in her 20s. Is she not? Uh, what is her name? Um, she she looks like she's. 70 and just survived the Holocaust. Like she just got out of Auschwitz that, yesterday. <laughs> That's that what is she looks so like. Bad. You should be so ashamed. I'm sorry. Was I it just, Owen Benjamin? If anybody can find that and, and shoot me a link in the live chat. She really is helps. the roughest looking young lady I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. It's, it's really bad. She's really, really, really ugly anyway, but so well, is he. Yeah. They, Do you I, remember that video of him talking about, he's like showing somebody his fridge oh i found it oh i do remember um, that yeah what was the thing with the and he's fridge, got though? those like floppy he's got those floppy man tits and he's yeah. talking about he's, and then he that's the first time we heard his voice and he yeah. has this like faggy queer voice and he's like oh i just really like my soy milk and i'm a vegan and blah. we were both watching it we were like what today he's i feel uh, gay i'm gonna skype this to you this is so funny um the, yeah this court reporter just had to <laughs> He made him look so much better. He looks like Zac Efron. Okay, in this I, can, I can put this up on the screen. <laughs> no way. This is not real. There's no way that's real. That's you can, no. <laughs> this is not. Where did he get this? I don't know. That is not. I refuse to believe that's authentic. <sighs> I need to see the source. Oh, it's so funny. There oh, is no yeah. way that is a real courtroom drawing. That is that that is made up or it's a joke. Oh, that's not. Geez. That's not serious. I think it's real. Uh, all right. Oh, if anyone can find that source for me, I definitely want to see it. Okay. Well, a couple stories I want to talk about before we get to hoax hate, uh, because now we have a slowing economy or at least slowing jobs numbers. And um, even though the, the labor market being on fire for allegedly mm-hmm. for the last year or so is everything that the administration brags about. Now, the fact that the, the job market is cooling is uh, encouraging. That's a good thing. Cause that's going to help inflation or something. But uh, I, I they think just the, keep revising. The, the unemployment rate is up from three point eight to three point nine percent, and they just keep revising yeah. all of this job gro- growth uh, retroactively, and then acting like it's good for the economy. It's it's totally insane. Um, so job growth slowed more than expected in October. They added one hundred fifty thousand jobs in October, which missed the mark by thirty thousand. One hundred eighty thousand dollars. One hundred eighty thousand jobs was the was the forecast. And then they revised prior numbers no, down. So at the end of the summer, so gains for August and September revised down by a total of 101,000 jobs oh. to a respective 165 and 297. So, so all summer long, you got Corrine Jean-Pierre coming out and talking about Bidenomics and how the labor market is just on fire. It's you, jobs everywhere. You want a job, you can have five of them. 
Then they come you back know. a couple months later and they say, actually, all those jobs were Head made up. Head spikes wolves. Oh. <laughs> all those jobs were bullshit. We made them up. But it's yeah. actually good that we don't have that many jobs because that's what the Fed wants. That's why they kept cranking up interest rates is so we could cool off the market and reduce inflation. We so- totally planned this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> And you just you have to know you have to notice both sides. Uh, no matter what the news is, it's it's supposed good Bidenomics news. Uh, yeah. Low jobs numbers. That's what the Fed wants. High jobs numbers. You can't stop the Biden economy. All right. Well, we're going to find out what stops the Biden economy very soon. Because we're supposed to believe the good news here. The reason that markets reacted positively um, into the weekend or on Friday because we're supposed to buy the line that the Fed has hit that Goldilocks zone, that they got the perfect interest rate where we're just going to we're going to finally cool off some of the overheated parts of the economy in a way that will bring down inflation without putting us into recessionary freefall that we've just really nailed it. So we're just going to slow down things just the right amount, but not so much that we end up in a crippling depression or something like that. That's that's what the supposed good news is. Uh, and that's why markets reacted positively this? to it. But we'll, I, is anyone buying this? I mean, people are unemployed. People are poor. We're all experiencing crazy inflation. Nobody can move because of interest rates. Like, I, I just don't think that the average American is like, oh, my financial situation is awesome. Uh, maybe Sam Bankman freed before uh, he got uncovered. <laughs> but they're, they're few and far between. Okay. Uh, one, uh, well, a couple, a couple things the Supreme Court will consider, but one thing I think is uh, very interesting, very important, actually, and I will certainly be watching the case. But on Friday, the Supreme Court agreed to hear a challenge to the Trump era bump stock ban put in place after the mass shooting in Las Vegas in 2017. So to refresh your memory, a bump stock, as you see on your screen here, is a, uh, a device that uh, fits on the butt end of your rifle that allows the user to harness the uh, the rifle's recoil energy by bouncing or bumping the rifle forward into the shooter's finger when forward pressure is maintained. And what does all of that mean? Well, in simpler terms, it is a method of manipulating a semi-automatic rifle into shooting faster but mechanically it does not change the function of a semi-automatic rifle Uh, the definition of this term in federal law is that there is one round fired per trigger function a bump stock does not change that trigger function all it does is allow the user to manipulate that trigger function faster but it is not a machine gun or a fully automatic (laughs) gun that federal law uh, defines as firing multiple rounds per trigger function, as in you you pull and hold the trigger and you get uh, uh, several rounds until you release the trigger. Okay, so what Trump did, uh, as you'll recall, and the reason that matters, the difference between machine guns and semi-automatic rifles or semi-automatic guns, is that uh, owning uh, automatic weapons in this country is is very, very difficult to do. It's It's practically impossible for most people but you can't in 1986 uh, machine guns were for civilians were banned so you can't today you can't own a machine gun manufactured after 1986 and even to own one manufactured before 1986 there's a whole bunch of uh, hoops you got to jump through with the federal government to do that so the distinction between an automatic weapon and a semi-automatic weapon matters very much for what weapons are in civilian hands so what Trump did, did they did they go to Congress and did they pass a law that said bump stocks are bad, they're illegal now? No. 
He went to Jeff Sessions and the Justice Department and the ATF and said, hey, I know that people have been legally buying this bump stock device for years now, but let's just say that these are machine guns and that they've been illegal this whole time and compel people to either surrender or destroy them under threat of imprisonment for 10 years or a quarter million dollar fine if we find you with one because we've decided that they're machine guns now, even though they don't fit the statutory definition of machine guns. Now, that sounds like some real Biden-y shit, and it is to the extent that Biden is defending it and to the extent he does this constantly with his executive agencies, just redefine stuff and have them enforce it as though that's what the law meant. He tests the boundaries of this all the time. But this was a Trump action. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily care about this because it seems like some obscure gun thing that most people don't own. Um, and and I suppose, strictly speaking, it is. But to me, this is prob- this is up there. It may not be the worst thing Trump did, but it's on the short list of worst things that Trump did Even if you don't care about guns, you don't care about self-defense, this was the federal government without an act of Congress redefining what your property is and compelling you under threat of imprisonment or fine to surrender or destroy it because they decided that this property is actually that now when nothing about the law changed. And even if you don't care if that happens to someone's AR or AK or whatever, you don't own one of those, you don't care about bum stocks. A federal government empowered to redefine and seize or or destroy your property in this way without congressional accountability and working through your representation in Congress is an out-of-control federal government. That's why this whole case matters so much. And it's been litigated uh, since this took effect, I think, in 2019 with differing decisions in federal courts. So in January, the Fifth Circuit of uh, Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, by a thirteen to three vote, ruled that the bump stock ban was illegal, and the Supreme Court will now take it. Uh, this case will define or help to define the boundaries of executive agencies reinterpreting federal law or law from Congress, as we've been discussing. It may perhaps uh, have some Second Amendment implications, too. I know whenever we see a gun case, we think, oh, it's a Second Amendment case. It, it may involve some of that case law, but it's more fundamentally, this is about executive agencies and their ability to interpret or even redefine federal law without an act of Congress. This isn't strictly a, a gun rights issue or a Second Amendment issue. It was estimated that there were about 500,000 bump stocks in legal possession in 2017, unknown how many now. And again, for people who aren't uh, really interested in the specific bump stock, I'll, I'll just remind you that the ATF, the federal agency that oversees guns, decided they, they said bump stocks were legal for years leading up to the Las Vegas shooting. They had no problem with yeah. them. They said explicitly, these are not machine guns. They're legal to own. They're legal to sell. They're not machine guns. They're just a, you know, a fun attachment for a semi-automatic rifle, but they don't convert it to a machine gun. Enter the Las Vegas shooting and political pressure to say that they are and poof, now they are. It was not an act of Congress. It was not any sort of legal process. It was just political whim that decided these are machine guns now, contrary to what the federal government themselves had been saying for years prior. That's why this case is so important. Um, But... uh, We'll see if the Supreme Court agrees. I think it's probably likely that the Supreme Court agrees with that appeals court and 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 says that this has been unconstitutional and or illegal the whole time. And then you have to wonder, well, just like all of Biden's nonsense with compelling people to get vaccines or doing the eviction moratorium, which in fairness was also a Trump era thing that continued. Yeah, there have been a bunch of these things where it's like, 
Oh, the Supreme Court found that was unconstitutional. If you're the guy who surrendered your bump stock or destroyed it, it wasn't a boating accident. You legitimately gave the thing to your local police force or something. That's or the on ATF. You. Yeah. I suppose to some extent that is. But do you get any compensation from the federal government? I don't think that's going to happen. Now, I know these of things are only not. worth like 150 bucks or 200 bucks or something. But if they if this is declared illegal or unconstitutional, it necessarily means the government stole property from people. It it forced them to surrender that property under threat of prosecution, threat of imprisonment, threat of life altering fine. Those people, in my view, should be they should be entitled to some sort of correction of that. But how is that corrected? Like, even if they got a two hundred dollar, they often don't give they often don't give restitution. I just watched this John Stossel video where he was talking about people's businesses being destroyed in um, police raids, like unrelated police raids. And they almost never get restitution from the government Uh, through no fault of their own. Their entire business is destroyed. The government doesn't care about people. They don't care about protecting people's personal property or finances. Um, Obviously, they're going to get nothing back. They care about about having more control, having more yeah. power. It's just a whoopsie. We stole your shit as though you would be if someone broke into your house and stole your bump stock. Would you be content with whoopsie? I'm sorry. I stole your shit. No, you would. You would yeah. want uh, some sort of justice for that person. Um, but so so my understanding is the Supreme Court is going to take that case this term. There's going to be a second gun related case this term um, as well. In addition to a free speech case for the NRA, they also ex- agreed to hear. I didn't look at the specifics of that, but it's not a second amendment case for the NRA. It's a first amendment case for the NRA, which might be interesting to watch. But in gun related cases, the Supreme court also said on Friday, they'll hear a case challenging the federal prohibition on people who are actively subject, uh, to domestic violence, restraining orders from possessing guns. So under federal law, if someone even secures a domestic violence restraining order against you, you're not even convicted necessarily. Um, you are a prohibited person. You can't uh, possess a firearm. There's a guy who's been challenging that uh, in the spring, a federal appeals court ruled that that ban is unconstitutional under the second amendment, relying on the Supreme court's Bruin decision that established that modern gun regulations must be consistent with historical traditions of firearm regulation. So uh, this NPR report on that case, the domestic violence restraining order case says that the, uh, the Supreme court will hear arguments in that case this fall. So I believe that will also be the case for the bump stock uh, case. So some more to watch uh, among just a few things that I think are encouraging in in recent news, um, or at least news of the the past few years, Supreme Court giving a little bit more teeth to what has been an ignored amendment in the Second Amendment uh, is welcome news. But I guess I don't want to mischaracterize that. I suppose this isn't necessarily the second Second Amendment case because the bump stock case isn't strictly a Second Amendment case might not really do anything to second amendment case law, but anyway, your ability to defend yourself is, is being protected to some degree potentially, but uh, we'll have to exercise that ourselves. You can't rely on the robes in DC to protect you when uh, the gay war hits, but at least you may have some friends there. Okay. Anything before we get into hoax hate? Uh, No, some of these are pretty funny. (laughs) Depends on your sense of humor. I'll try. Now, the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. You think they'll notice? Well, this is the sort of sense of humor or the sense of irony that sends you straight to hell, and it's going to take me a moment to get there, but I promise you, 
it is a uh, this is a sort of hoax hate that, that is a it's it's a variety we've not seen before. Maybe the most unfortunately ironic case in the history of the segment. But in Orlando, protesters marched last weekend to oppose police closing an investigation of the death of Yolna Lubrin, a black woman found dead hanging from a tree in September. Now you hear that you th- you might think, well, a, a, a black person hanging from a tree that has certain political uh, connotations, right? Okay, well, Yolna's family members say that Orlando police need to be more transparent with sharing records in the case. The Orlando Police Department has closed its investigation. The family and other activists want transparency in what exactly was found in that investigation, even though the police department is describing what they found. But I I guess they want records that they can't see currently. Uh, But activists do say that police have overlooked certain information in the case, such as Yolna's car was found vandalized. Some say Yolna was in a state of emotional distress before her death. Certain things that the police are not considering. Now, uh, in in fairness to these activists, I don't see a lot of them making the claim that she was lynched. That would be kind of the the conclusion that you would infer from... uh, that's what they're t- that's what they're clearly talking about though i suppose uh, the, to give to give them the best possible um to, to to give the best possible interpretation of their argument they're saying that the investigation into her death has not been thorough because she's black but i guess the follow-up question would be but thorough enough a, to a find really obvious suicide uh, yes, yes the uh, the orlando police department did do an investigation and they do have a conclusion and you're right that all signs point to uh, her hanging herself from this tree. Uh, the reasons oh. to say that would be uh, witness statements that the police have, Lubrin's mental health history, cell phone communications, and physical evidence, including no physical injuries other than the marks on her neck. So she wasn't fighting somebody who then you know beat her up and, and lynched her or something. This was uh, self-inflicted uh, hanging. According to I'm, all, I'm fairly certain they put in the same amount of due diligence that they do with all, most other obvious suicides. So yeah, it's just it, the manner of hanging. Yes. Now, why do I say that this is ironic or that you have to have a, a sense of humor that's going to send you straight to hell? I didn't do this. Okay. And to be, I'm not laughing at the circumstances. Suicide is very sad. I wish she didn't do this. Uh, and I, I wish the best to the family and all of that. But I have to acknowledge, oh, where did I lose it in this story? Here it is. This paragraph, second to last paragraph in this particular coverage. On Friday, Lubrin's sister led a crowd of protesters to the house where the body was found. From there, gatherers walked several miles throughout the Paramore community while holding up signs with pictures of Yona Lubrin's face while chanting her nickname, Yo-Yo. Yo-yo. Oh my God, bro. The woman who hanged herself, her nickname was Yo-Yo. And Yo-Yo, some would say, is in a permanent sleeper now, unfortunately. <laughs> Can't you just say Yolna? Yikes. Okay, I, I'm not trying to disgrace the legacy of this woman. And I'm, for all I know, they, they called her Yo-Yo. They did that legitimately. When the woman hangs herself from a tree, her her uh, time nicknamed Yo-Yo, that's over. Her nickname's not Yo-Yo anymore. You can't call no. her. No. <laughs> so, okay. The the hanging of Yo-Yo was not a lynching. That was a uh, that was a suicide. Yikes. Moving on. 
Uh, this is uh, in your old neck of the woods, Tacoma, Washington, south of Seattle. A group called Tacoma for All is campaigning to pass Initiative 1. I believe this is up for uh, the vote on Tuesday. Initiative 1 is about housing and landlords and renters. So it would require landlords to comply with health and safety laws before raising rent or evicting tenants. It would set limits on certain rental fees. It would require landlords to provide two notices to increase rent. And this is something I've never heard of. Now, I know you you have a little bit of uh, landlord experience, right? This law would require landlords to provide people who are evicted or who are have to leave their housing because the rent has been increased. You have to provide them with relocation assistance. So you have to help them find a house. This is a new thing. But I've never heard landlords of have landlords have no protection in Washington and squatters yeah. have all sorts of rights. Idaho to a lesser degree, but it's it's not great. Same thing in California. That, like I don't know who would oh, sign terrible. up to be a landlord in California. If you have a minority tenant in Washington and they're like, I'm not leaving, that you are power, you are basically powerless to stop them. Which means you'll never let them in in the first place. But if you don't, they'll also come come for you on that basis. Come for if you, you on say, that. no, yeah. you can't rent my place. You do yeah. not want to be a property owner in Washington that has hmm. tenants. So this would be, in addition to what I gather is maybe somewhat burdensome Washington state law on the issue, this would be Tacoma specific law that really makes it difficult to manage your own property in Tacoma. Uh, This would also create a student defense against eviction. So you got some bum college kid who's not paying for his shit. He can say he can plead college student and you can't make him leave the property. Also protect military service members from eviction, at least under certain circumstances. And of course provide penalties. It's it's none of those people though. It's just pissed off minorities. Hmm. That's all. That's all that it's really going to be. You think it's going to be a bunch of fucking, no, but it's going to be a bunch of fucking like like college students that are poor or veterans or whatever. No, it's going to be like 95% angry Somalis. <laughs> are there a lot of Somalis in Tacoma? I don't even know. So many. Interesting. All right. Uh, so and so then there are pen- penalties and enforcement mechanisms against landlords. Of the N word. Thank you, Binger. See, now I know what it's like to be on the other side of it where you get surprised so by the, annoying. the sounder instead of. <laughs> Every time it gets me. Uh, I should have clarified too last week. We both have control of the soundboard. Either one of us yeah. can exercise this. It's not either or. Blonde doesn't have seven and a half years. We've been doing this, and he just figured yeah. out that I that I can have control. And um, I'm going to make him regret it. It's fun. I like it. I like more more sounder drafts. I'm all. I'll, it's going to be improper non sequitur sounders. That's the best for the rest of the show. So, I didn't say the N-word. What was I even talking about? Who remember. knows? Something about Somalis. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, we're supposed to believe that local Nazis are very opposed to this uh, tenants rights ballot initiative that's happening in Tacoma. And they have gone around painting backward swastikas on all the uh, signs telling you to support this initiative one. A representative for Tacoma for All tells me the trouble all started last week, and most of the vandalized signs have been found in North and West Tacoma. Now, the Anti-Defamation League wants you to see the swastikas so you can better understand what people are facing with these kinds of incidents. As Election Day approaches, Tacoma for All received disturbing news about their campaign signs. 
which support Initiative 1 and stronger tenant protections. Incredible vandalism uh, going on where folks are painting swastikas on, on our signs. The hateful symbol has been found emblazoned <laughs> on signs throughout the city. Devin Rydell Kelly says renters in Tacoma need this initiative. And this vandalism won't stop their efforts to push this initiative forward. It's been disturbing to see that, uh, but also in a way uniting. It's brought our supporters together. People have been taking them down, taking the paint off and putting them back up because we, you know, people really believe in this. Hmm. Uh, what a recessive earlobe homosexual that guy was. Did you <laughs> see that? Recessive earlobe? That's Dude, a did you I've see not... his earlobes? That guy looks like a thumb. I don't have uh, it. What am I, I supposed I only to say about these image. people? If you have, I could line up those signs and and be able to tell you in sequential order how they painted those swastikas because they started to like get it by the end, but it's still kind of wrong. <laughs> they needed the practice. The, the first two of them just look look like F's interlocking. Like you're not. Yeah, even it's like close. the same person toured. I assume these were not all on the same property. They show like a half dozen of them. The same person <laughs> toured around painting the same backward swastikas on all these signs. Nobody has a camera. Nobody witnessed this person. Nobody saw any of this. How was this achieved? But even beyond that, let's say that I buy that there's some Nazi who really hates this proposal. Why? My sources say there are a lot of Jewish landlords out there. Uh, is that who he <laughs> is? Wouldn't, why is the Nazi in favor of of tenants rights in this case? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how many times no, I opposed to how tenants many, rights. Many... That's, sorry, I'm so confused. Why yeah. is the Nazi opposed to tenants rights? That's that's a good point. And uh, we've we've done so many episodes of hoax hate. I don't know how many times I've said this, but uh, a person that's going to get the SWAT sticker right is a Nazi. There's a 100 percent chance that I would do a correctly oriented, perfect SWAT sticker in the event that I did this unless Uh I was doing it wrong on purpose. Like, what is wrong with these people? There's no way. It was that guy, the guy that did the interview. He did it. It was him. It's like we got to dress up some some publicity for this before Tuesday's vote, just, you know, send it, send the intern out there to go paint some swastikas on the signs, even though it makes no sense. None of this, at least in the specifics has any sort of racial connotation. It is uh, it is about the management of dispute between tenant and landlord. Why Nazis would be so opposed to this particular proposal to be motivated to paint the signs for it was, I mean, it, this is, I went to their Facebook page to see what people were saying. And there's a few comments on there like this uh, looks like a desperate attempt at stirring up some publicity for the initiative. And you have the activists behind it. How dare you? We would never do such a thing. We condemn all forms of hate in this community. Anyway, that's weird. It's a weird area for swastikas to appear. Last Nazis one, don't even exist anymore. Even if you're a modern day national socialist, you're not a Nazi. Hmm. What symbolism do they use? Have they adopted a new one? I don't know. I mean, I think that the the Swatsk has gotten reappropriated in a really the, unfortunate way. The yeah. swastika. Schwar- she yeah. said swastika. Speaking of pronunciation, uh, I this this town in Pennsylvania. Okay, I thought is this the funniest name since Letitia James, the uh, the attorney general in New York State. Well, I looked it up and no, it is not Lititz, which I thought was the name of the city in Pennsylvania. That's what I. That's what is I it? it? It is Lititz, Lititz, oh. Pennsylvania, L-I-T-I-T-Z, Lititz, my sources say. So in Lititz, Hasma Dawood owns and operates Greco's Italian Ices and Homemade Ice Cream. That sounds like a very Italian name, although these days that might be the most common. Uh, Muhammad might yeah. be the most common Italian name for all I know. <laughs> 
but he operates this Italian style ice cream shop in Lidditz. On October 23rd, he says he found a white sheet of paper in his mailbox outside the shop on it written in red ink with all capital letters. It says, leave Lidditz, you Hamas terrorist. Two exclamation points. Dawood says he immediately crumpled up the paper and considered throwing it away. But then he had another idea. He decided to post it to his business Facebook page, along with a message promoting love and inclusivity. And he wrote in the post, quote, it's easy to turn a blind eye to the atrocities happening around the world. It's no secret today's news has all eyes on Israel and Palestine. Many of us forget those atrocities can carry to even the coolest small town in America. We believe that our diversity makes us stronger regardless of our differences, blah, blah, blah. So, (laughs) yes, the atrocity of him receiving a note in the mailbox is largely comparable to getting your entire town blown up or having your grandma uh, kidnapped at gunpoint and the rest of your family shot in the face. These atrocities can come from the Middle East over here anytime. When you think about it, you too could receive an unkind note in your mailbox and it would be just like Gaza if you did. Oh my God. And it's, and it's not the first time he's been hit with a hate note. He used to have a box in his, uh, in his uh, his ice cream shop that allowed for customer suggestions. And uh, without sharing what some of those mean customer suggestions were, he said he doesn't do that anymore because people wrote hate notes in there. I wish I could see what the hate notes were. Uh, this is my favorite part too. Dawood can only guess why Greco's, his ice cream shop, has been targeted for hate messages. Maybe it's because of the color of my skin and that I have a beard, says Dawood. Yes, bearded men, constantly targeted. For hate crimes in this country. And wow, you go to his Facebook page October 28th. Look at that. Business is way up. Traffic at the ice cream shop is way up. Thank you to the community for all of this support. Very convenient for the uh, off-season heading into the winter when I assume ice cream sales decline a little bit. That's great to get him through the slow part of the year. What a chode. God, people will use every available opportunity, won't they? It's a, it is a viable business method these days. Okay, ready for the movie review? I guess. Just wait till you get a load of the uh, AI art this time. In a I world of movie references flying over his yeah. head, over his one head. man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show movie review. This week's movie is the 1983 Oliver Stone Al Pacino gangster classic Scarface in which a Cuban refugee finds wealth and power in the Miami drug hustle, shooting faces and stealing women until he realizes the futility of it all and dies in a coked out mass shooting in his own uh, mansion. From movie picker Alex M., a movie that doesn't quite uh, or that doesn't require much introduction. I picked it because it's a classic guy movie with shootouts, cars, and that 1980s aesthetic sorely missing from America today. I can't count the amount of times I have seen it and it never gets old. Speaking of uh, never getting old, the AI art from Jamie and Jeannie. Now we had the recreation of the um the the Tony and Elvira. I say Elvira even though the Spanish speakers were saying Elvira, but I I'm, I'm just calling her Elvira. That but is so funny. I wrote <laughs> I wrote in the post that the, they took my chin and gave it to you. What the hell happened to me? Uh, and then, okay, so last week we had the debut of the video AI artwork. And, uh, well, 
This one takes it up a notch. Oh, there's a video? I didn't see this. The video. Here you go. Even if I were blind, desperate, starved, and begging for it on a desert island, you'd be the last thing I'd ever fuck. Okay? Jeez. Now you're talking to me, baby. That I like. Now, my apology to our respective spouses in that particular one. When, when oh he's, my God, this is so creepy. This he, AI thing is so creepy. Well, um, not to discredit the work, because I do agree that it does look really realistic. But do you think that you look like Michelle Pfeiffer of that era at all? Um, Like IRL? Yeah, because I, I, I'm not. It's one of those at certain angles things. But when I was watching the movie, I'm like, man, this woman, not only in her personality, but at certain angles actually looks a lot like you. I, I don't thought. know. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer has more feline features. I think she was such a fox in this movie. Damn. Hmm. Uh, no, not really. But the AI is getting better with every. Uh, yeah. The, the, the video submissions are hilarious, but also uncomfortable. And when he sent me that one, I, I said like, well, uh, that's really uncomfortable. And, and he offered to make a different one. I thought, no, the, re- the it fine. being this uncomfortable is, is why it's funny. We're going with it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh oh man. I just the, the 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 amount of porn that is going to happen with this AI or with this AI stuff. Yeah. I, On the well, other hand, it does give everybody that has a checkered past plausible deniability about everything they've ever done. I, I get it. Who wouldn't fantasize about me as Al Pacino? I mean, that's like the hottest man ever. <laughs> I like your dancing. Yeah. <laughs> the hottest man ever to uh to walk the earth. All right. As always, your review yeah. and your rating. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I didn't even rewatch it, um, but I did re-review because you know I've probably seen it five times, and it's been it's been a little while. But but I think that the last time I saw this, at least, this is a film where the film integrity has become marred by the status of it being a cult classic. Like everybody fucking loves these movies and this movie, and because um, I hate most people, and I think most people are dumb. When everybody loves a movie, my instinct is to be like, no. Except Citizen don't Kane, like the greatest me. movie ever made. That's that is the greatest movie ever. Made. I don't know what to tell you. I understand why people um, like it. Like the first few viewings, I'm like, "Ooh, this movie's awesome." It's a story of a man trying to improve himself by leveraging the American dream, destroyed by his own hubris. It's got it's got this a like, gangster classic vibe, which I can appreciate in a Scorsese film. But Oliver Stone is such a hack. Great acting by Al Pacino, um, but. It, last time I saw it, I was like, this is totally over the top, like totally over the top. It lacks subtle character development. And then I kept thinking, because this was after my uh, my racial awakening. I'm like, it, has this gained cult classic status only because Tony Montana has been elevated to this godlike status by ghetto black people? Like it's like hip hop culture. Hip hop really? culture made this movie is that, the cult classic. That all it right. Is. Totally, totally. Yeah, I guess I guess I don't know the degree to which it's referenced in uh, hip hip hop culture because I'm not a connoisseur of such things. Um, yeah, it's Tony Montana is like the man to to ghetto black people. So I don't know. For that, I gave it a three out of five. Is that fair? I don't know. Probably not. I I I love Al Pacino, and then the whole thing with his sister. Like, if there's going to be some kind of weird incest angle. It it better be really warranted, like truly warranted. That's disgusting. It was just gross. 
That chick was really hot too, though. Uh, if you're into that sort of weird, uh, bushy, 70s Afro bush, thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she did have a little Demi Moore crazy bush. I don't know. I, I like, I like a 70s bush. Uh, nice. <laughs> I think that women should, should uh, bring okay, that back. Once again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's disgusting. Anyway, three out of five. I don't know. I don't know if that's fair, but, um, yeah, that's what I get. Do you I, have a prediction like on what movie. I thought? I bet you liked it. Everybody likes this movie, right? Uh, I told my wife that I thought it sucked, but that's mostly because I just try to get her going every time we see a movie. I I always tell her I thought. Did it she? Sucked. Does she like it? Uh, I I don't know. I I think I I guess based on the implication, I think she liked this movie, but she did not give me a definitive uh, rating, and I did not hate this movie. It's um it's not among the greatest to me, but it was good and enjoyable. Okay. And uh, there are several things I I appreciate about it, and really in the way that the that Alex the movie nominator was describing like in a just a man's movie kind of way because I can't deny that I, the the appeal of just the over the top violence does get me but there's more to it in terms of the lessons of the movie and the lessons of the life of Tony Montana that are important um it was for, so violent though yeah but like, that's part of that was so part of violent it. That was part of the appeal, but there are important lessons just for masculinity and being a man and living uh, a man's life well and all of that, but, or at least how not to do it as Tony did, but okay, all right. some, some things that uh, I liked about the movie, uh, obviously money and power are nothing without family. And I know that everyone remembers the end shootout and say hello to my little friend and, and all, and those scenes are great. I'm not taking away from them, but to me, the most important, the best scene in the movie is the dinner scene at the restaurant. Because there they sit. They've got the fanciest life you could imagine, all the luxury in the world. There's Tony Montana with all the power. He's got this hot wife, and she's she's there, you know, doing her drugs or what, drinking whatever she's drinking. They have everything they could possibly want, but they hate each other, and yeah. and and they hate each other because and they can't have kids. Yeah. It, for exactly that reason, they have not. Um, secured their bond, uh, their bond through a child or their legacy through a child. So he comments on her polluted womb and she comments on the fact that he is incapable of being a, a functioning or proper father. And that's the reason that they hate each other. And it was, it's just a great lesson that you know, you, it doesn't matter what you have in life. If you, if you don't have your family squared away first, everything else is, uh, is, is misprioritized. If you're not building that first and foremost. And, um, and so Tony Montana is just a great it's a great lesson in how not to live as a man as I'm watching this movie. And and then I'm enjoying the violence, too. And to enjoy this movie, you have to enjoy the violence. As soon as the chainsaw came out, I had flashbacks to the cartel montage that I constantly reference, because at least in this movie, oh, it's so bad, at least in this movie, they, they give you the uh, the benefit of a camera angle that doesn't show it. In the cartel you can montage, see a lot still though. it's very yeah, you can see plenty of the blood. The cartel montage, they uh, I saw everything, and it was real. It was not uh, Hollywood production. Uh, the helicopter hanging, that was uh, that was a great scene. You know, helicopters are useful for snitches. Historically, they're useful for commies. So, helicopter ride was a great part of this movie. And then Tony's death too, and not just in kind of the the thrill of uh, his his grenade launcher and the, and the gunfight, but just in the symbolism of it, like falling over this balcony after losing everything, his wife left him, mm -hmm. killed his best friend, got his sister killed, has absolutely nothing to show for himself except for this monument falsely claiming that the world is yours. But to that prior point, the, the world without those he loved without a future for them or with them means nothing. 
Uh, I loved Elvira, uh, just her character and, and um, what she represented. And the, the reason I say that is, and the reason I say that she reminded me of you is because she has a lot of these, she has this like kind of foul mouthed alpha mentality, but Ooh. she, but she still can't shake that primary instinct to be a mom. Yeah. And, and uh, she has these great quips, like when she calls Tony an immigrant spick millionaire and uh, <laughs> calls Frank. It's so she's so hateful when she says it too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she calls Frank, uh, she calls him a fatty implicitly. Like you're always hungry. You should try starving. The thing I like about her character isn't just that she's uh, rough with her language in that way, but the fact, the way that she responds to leadership and the way that mm-hmm. it just should, like she rejects Tony outright in the dancing scene that we saw. And even when Tony he wears her down, yeah, even when he, he says he wants to marry her, she doesn't really seem that thrilled about it, but she does go along with it. And then of course, even when they live in luxury, she still berates her now husband now, I'm not saying that's some model relationship, but the lesson here that I'm trying to that I, that I think she demonstrates women respond to leadership. And so if you're a man mm-hmm. out there who's trying to attract your own Elvira, even when she says even when she flat out denies you, I'm not saying no means yes or something like that. What I'm saying is you that's don't, what I'm saying. No usually means yes. Swear <laughs> down. Yeah. It means that. Instead of pedestalizing women, what you have to do is present them with leadership and a plan and a way that they fit into that plan. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what seems like a flat out rejection will actually a a woman's instincts will override her words in that way. She will respond instinctively to that leadership. Again, understand me correctly. I'm not saying when a woman tells you, no, continue doing what you're doing. I'm just saying it's it's a piece of philosophy that I wish I understood better when I was younger, that you don't um you don't pedestalize women and um and kowtow to their every whim to 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 win them what you do is you say listen here's a plan for the future and a way that you fit in it are you are you in on that plan here's the way this is going to work i'm going to make it happen proper women say no five times before they say yes that's all i'm right, saying it's like the subway card you know yeah it five times and then she gets a free foot long after that <laughs> Hold on, I have to rim shop myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, Terrible. <laughs> things I Terrible. didn't. Things I didn't like as much. Uh, you you nailed it. What what in God's name is going on with the sister here? Okay. At first, I thought, and I, I saw it as soon as they met at the re, when they when he shows up at his mom's house, and it's like this reunion after a long time. I thought that's a really weird hug for a sister. Like way too close. She's kind of got her hands on the back of his head. And it's just weird. And I'm thinking, are they technically not brother and it's sister? It's not against like, the law. Oh, fuck you. They technically, it might be. I don't know what's going on here. But then by the end, she's in skimpy lingerie begging her brother to fuck her. And I yeah. get that some of that, may, it, maybe she's not sincere. She's trying to kill Tony. So maybe it's more mockery of what she perceives to be his attraction to her. But the joke there is still Tony wants to bang his sister. And I don't really understand how that maybe she correctly recognized that he had sexual feelings for her. And that's why he sabotaged her happiness. Hmm. So I don't know that this is really her fault. That chick is so 80s hot, though. I just don't like for the plot to function here. Tony has to have a strong protective instinct of his sister. That's it. And Mm -hmm. yet they made it weirdly sexual in a I don't understand how that serves the plot. I don't. Tony can just be a protective brother. That's all he has to be. This, the whole like, I want to bang my sister thing doesn't make sense to me. 
But why would he, you know, he, he, he killed him. Well, this is the thing I don't understand about that too, because the killing of Manny also makes no sense at all, both in the way that it he happened, was all coked out. Yeah. I, but all the more reason they should have <laughs> foreseen this because, okay. In the beginning of the movie, Tony tells Manny, Hey, stay away from my sister. Then Manny watches Tony beat up a guy for playing grab ass at the bar with his sister. And then throughout all of this, Gina, uh, uh, yeah, his sister's name is Gina, right? Gina and Manny witness Tony just being a brutal, violent, drug addicted man for what I guess is years or however long this is. And yet they, their plan is let's surprise Tony with marriage news. Let's not tell him. Let, it'll be great when we break this. New, first of all, even if he did that successfully and he didn't have a violent rage learning that news in that way, I assume he's probably going to be pretty pissed off that he was excluded from any sort of, I gather maybe they just had an informal wedding or some sort of informal thing, but Tony being excluded from that's going to piss him off. So they should have foreseen that he'd be angry, even if they just told him with the surprise. But if you're Manny and you're hanging out with Gina and you know that she's like, you've just done whatever you've done and she's in nightwear or whatever. And Tony shows up at the door. Your response should be, holy shit, Tony, let me tell you something right now, because it's very important that you understand what's going on here, because I know you'll probably kill me if you don't. Instead, Manny just kind of grins like, oh, hey, Tony, how are you doing? And then there's Gina at the top of the stairs. Hi, Tony. How are you this fine evening? No one thinks let's tell Tony before he kills everyone, because he obviously will kill us if he le- if he thinks that we're sleeping together. Yes, and this is Oliver Stone nonsense. The whole the whole circumstance made no sense at all. Both in the 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 way that that Gina and Manny organized this and in the way that it happened just uh by happenstance. They should have been worried about Tony doing exactly what he did the second that they saw him. And yet they act like he's just coming over for dinner and everything's normal. Made no sense. Yeah. I also found Bottle. Frank and and Bernstein's total lack of self-defense, um, a little bit hard to believe. Frank is the uh, the the coke lord man, the drug kingpin man who um, who Tony is working for and then kills. Bernstein is the crooked cop who's working with him. I gather that, that one of Frank's men, the security guy, just kind of let it happen for reasons that I'm not sure I understand, but you know, wanted Frank to be taken out or whatever. But you're you're a Miami drug kingpin and you just let people walk into your office and point guns at you. And then you have crooked cop guy who's sitting there watching his his drug kingpin friend get straight up murdered with like a you know, several minutes of lead up. And then he gets shot. But you, you see in one of the, the camera angles, he's got uh, he's got what looks like a revolver on his hip the whole time. So you watched these these thugs come in, point a gun at your friend. You never intervened and then you, so you didn't intervene to defend him and you also didn't intervene to defend yourself even after they shot you and then, then talked to you for a few moments until they shot you again dead. It's not like I, I'm not saying that it's like, it's inconceivable that Tony could kill Frank or kill the crooked cop, but the fact that they offered no defense for themselves, given their successful business as drug kingpins in Miami, that was just weird. They they have no yeah. fight in them whatsoever until he's kneeling down for Tony. Okay. And then lastly, um, you know, I, it, 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 is, it is a movie that dragged just a little bit. It's almost three hours long and uh, there's not a ton of wasted time, but 
to me, there's there's a little bit of wasted time in the like, oh, look at these Cubans womanizing. Look at them admiring women, you know, in these various venues. And it's like, yeah, we get it. I I, I understand. I understand they were uh, party boys, you know. Can we move along to advance the plot here? I'll tighten that up a little bit. I think it's closer to a five wiki to me. Uh, but as it stands, as it stands, I gave it a perfectly respectable four wiki rating. Oh, man. Maybe I talked myself down to a three after hating on that Manny murder scene so much, though. Yeah, yeah. No, but for the record, always overdoes it for our record keeping. uh, Speaking of stones, my ratings are set in stone. It is a four wiki rating. I am not revising it. Uh, Our audience rating. uh, Let's see what people the early vote people thought of this movie. Why won't it load up for me? Maybe I got to refresh. Oh, there it goes. Uh, yeah, people are, are right there. It's it's like a third of people giving it a four, a third of people giving it a five, and a third of people giving it a three. Not a lot of hate. Not a lot of one and two wikis in that early vote. Mm. Next week, we're watching Equilibrium. I don't know anything about it other than it's a Christian what? Bale sci-fi looking movie. Futuristic movie. Okay. Don't know anything okay. about it. But uh, it's it's under two hours, which I'm refreshed by hey. these days. Like it's, been, it's been a <laughs> sequence of very long movies lately. And then uh, after that, remaining nominees for November from Alex M. are Memento, In the Mouth of Madness, The Hateful Eight, Baby Driver, Arlington Road, Harsh Times, or of course you can reject the list in favor of a randomly selected top-rated movie instead. And as a reminder, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie, and sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month. The one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column, linked in the description and on the homepage of the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com or mattis.gay if you prefer the shorter address. All right, time to DVT. catch up. Uh, I'm sitting. You have DVT now? I'm going to. It's oh. really common in pregnancy. Well, yeah. I would know. That was my diagnosis. Anyway. <laughs> I am going to get a deep vein thrombosis. By the way, I have my blood test, to, or at least they're taking blood to test tomorrow, so I'll find out why I got such a thing. Oh, man. Soon here, hopefully. Okay, I uh, stand up. I won't take my headphones out, though, so I can listen. All right. Uh, looks like we're good on Rumble, I believe. Or if I've missed any chats on Rumble, sorry about that. But I think we're set. Sometimes the Rumble thing has a problem. So <gasps> if there is a problem tonight, just let me know and I can refund people whose Rumble cha- uh, chats may have been missed. Uh, That's better. So it looks like we're good over there. So let's come back to YouTube and Tippy. Where did we leave okay. off? Moist farts. Oh, yeah, that's right. So much. Um. Jonathan, well, blonde, my wonderful sister Joanna was perfectly safe seeing the arch and the blues game. What, what mm. are the, oh, seeing the arch. I was yeah, like, remember. what sports team is the arch? Oh my God, I right. suck. The St. Louis advice. Was that last Sunday or Wednesday? I forget when that was. Yeah. Um, they even won. And then booging off to stay in Illinois. Turns out going in and leaving with the hockey crowd is just swell. It's mind boggling as to why. That's true. Although one uh, percent of the, the of them might slit your throat with their skate. Yeah, I cut that from the no pun intended, but I because uh, hey. it's kind of old news, and that was sort of breaking last Sunday, and I didn't see it before the stream last Sunday. But that the hockey throat slitting in uh, the UK 
And now it's, it sounds like the family's trying to pursue something against that particular hockey player, but uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was crazy. That was absolute brutality. And I'm not a hockey expert, but that certainly looked weird to me. I've never seen someone pull a move like that in hockey before. Dirt muffler, but I just made an Italian sausage soup with kale, onion, sweet potato. It was pretty good. Blonde. In your opinion, is a man who can cook more appealing to a winter kind of gay going to miss the culture? I, I, um, I like a man that can cook. It would be really helpful now if my husband could cook, but then it would also make me lose. Are you gay? So, (laughs) um, I think it's a, it's a good quality. Most chefs are straight men. Most professional chefs. Yeah. In fairness, when I think of like flamboyant professions, I don't think chef. That's not. Oh God. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think chef is like a gay thing. Maybe if I lean up against the wall like this, fucking hell. Uh, Daniel Yeager says, I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, did I already read this Daniel Yeager one? No, I can answer that. Biden's only three voters are former, uh, Jim Clyburn, hatchet man, Mark Elias and Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, those are the only, they're, they're the only real voters, but they're pretty good about manufacturing voters elsewhere. I would think that's how they do it. Yeah. Incompetent hands. No pressure on Tim, and I wish him all the best. But if the new show tanks, everyone is going to say, "Hey, let's replace Blonde with Bluey." <laughs> what could go wrong? You got a big nose. I mean, role to fill. Matt and Tim are not going to be on the same show together. Uh, producer Tim. Oh, I should clarify. Producer not, Tim. I always have to clarify because when I say Tim, I th- yeah, sometimes people think I mean Tim Pool. That's not who I mean. I mean producer. No, no, Tim. no. Even I got confused. Yeah, there. yeah. Okay. Uh, and to be clear, like Tim is not uh, a co-host. Tim is not filling a blonde role. He's uh, <gasps> he's helping me out with the production of the show. So he'll be in my ear and you'll hear him. But he's not uh, the the expectation can't be that like, oh, here comes you know, here comes who's supposed to be the blonde of this show. That's not what we're trying to do. So, yeah, I mean, do I. Uh, he is going to wear a blonde wig, though. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's going to be a different role. And it's going to be a different show. And, uh, you know, if you check it out and it's, and, and you like it, great. If you check it out and you don't like it, that's also fine. And like anything else, it's going to take a little bit of time to sort of catch its groove and for us to sort of get on the same page about what we're trying to make here and what we're trying to do. So a little bit of patience is appreciated in that regard too. But overall with the tenant launch coming tomorrow, I, uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity. Tomorrow. Are you going to sleep badly? No, because everything's all taken care of. Like I got my first video ready to go. That should be, I mean, it's, it's already there. Someone just has to click publish for it to go live. Um, I will have a little bit of stress going into a new show on Wednesday because it's going to be different. It's going to be a different product. And anytime you're presenting something different to an audience that is used to say the call-in show or is used to this show and it's not that it's something else. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of a, little bit of anxiety in that or a little bit of it'll be stress. fine yeah, you're gonna be a lot chronically over prepared so that should be reassuring to you. it's only an hour show so <laughs> that shouldn't yeah. take very long for me to prep and and hopefully i'll work in some guests going forward and so it'll be it'll just what be number a, what number show is this we're on 387 of this show that's 387 episodes of preparation for your other show not to mention all the call-in shows which are no were no preparation. That was the benefit of the call-in show. Yeah. Well, yeah. Except so for the you, email you questions not, that you did. Could not be more prepared. Yeah. You definitely studied for this test. Um, thank you, Boogeyman. Jack says nothing. Thank you, Jack. Uh, thank Levi you. Smith. My church said they can't financially support me as a full-time youth pastor after December. Also, a girl I was talking to for six months 
said we should be friends. Prayers appreciated. Okay. Mm. What can you learn from these things, Levi? Uh, I mean, the girl talking to long distance for six months is uh, too long. So, you know, next time cut that off at, I'd say if you don't know after a month, whether or not you want to pursue a long distance relationship yeah. by meeting up with somebody, let's just, okay. You learn something from that. And, um, my personal experience with jobs is that when you get fired for incompetence or whatever, uh, may have happened in your job history, um, that something better and more fitting tends to present itself because necessity is the mother of invention. And that's how we got here. And this is the best job I've ever had in my life. Uh, it, it, it is, it, it will necessarily create opportunity. You're right. Uh, yes. I don't, yeah. I mean, as far as, as far, the job situation, um, yeah, I mean, you'll just have to treat finding a job as a full-time job. As a job, yeah. And then and finding a woman. He also said, to be clear, this has been the worst month of my life, but God is good. Yeah. I still have purpose in life and I'm still living for Jesus. I just appreciate prayers from my Christian brothers well, and sisters. This is the worst month of your life. Oh my God, your life is going to get so much worse. <laughs> it's all it's down just, here. From, it's, it's all downhill yeah. from here, Levi. Uh, no, Like that, some chick doesn't want to talk to you after six months uh, long distance and you don't get a job that probably sucks anyway. Oh my God, just wait and still until people you love start to die. Good Lord. Well, and I'm sure also, he's, probably, we'll pray had for you, he's probably had that in his life. I don't want to assume that he is not. And all he's asking but for he's is prayer. So he, he's not asking Sorry, me for my advice. So I will just withhold that because, uh, God, what is wrong it, with of, me? And of course, uh, we will send that your way and, and all the, uh, all the positive energy. It sounds like you got positive energy, um, yourself anyway, as long as you don't lose that perspective that you yeah. have purpose and there's something you're supposed to be achieving. Uh, I have faith that you will. I'm sure that you will. And um, sorry, Levi, I don't mean to downplay your struggles, which is that, just exactly what I did. I said that I wasn't going to give advice, but I can't help myself. Next time you got to do the Tony Montana. Listen, bitch, this is the way that it is. Are you this in or are you out? <laughs> Sounds like maybe it didn't go that way this time, but I've done the same thing. I I've been in that exact same situation and, um, and I learned that lesson the hard way too. And I hope that that lesson, uh, that that you're able to to find the right one the next time around here and and um and find exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, buddy. Laurel here in New Hampshire. I haven't seen any signs for Chris Christie. I've seen some for Vivek and Nikki Haley. <laughs> but the overwhelming number have been for Trump. I expect Trump to easily win New Hampshire primary. Yeah, totally. I I yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Maybe there could be some momentum shift in some kind of shock in Iowa, and Iowa is kind of weird with their caucus system. Uh so maybe someone takes some momentum out of Iowa, although uh, it's still Iowa's still first for the Republicans, right? I know Democrats like shifted some of that stuff up, but I was first for Republicans. I'm not I'm misunderstanding that. Correct. Anyway, that would be the wait, only. Wait, what is this sounder? The fag way. Play it. That is the fag way. You don't remember that? <laughs> no. That's, well, I didn't uh, know it was on here. I yeah, do remember America. it from Team America. Yeah. Oh. I had to bleep it because they, when I just had it uncensored, YouTube told me I can't have it that way, even though they have Team America uncensored that you can pay for on their own platform. Dude, I just can't so play lame. clips from it. Not for copyright so reasons, lame. for hate speech reasons. Damn. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll use that in future. Stephen Sugar's base caravan leader. That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, wow, this guy is really saying it exactly as it is. Totally unabashed, looking right into the camera. He totally gets it while also contributing to the decay of our society. I kind of understand. YouTube name. 
Uh, my take on Christie is that he's there for Democrats have a straw man, normal Republican in front of them. So Dems continue to believe Trump supporters are extremists and not just the other side. I'm, yep. I wonder if he is propped up by some Democrat interest in that way to be that, to be like the legitimate Republican for some sort of strategic reason. The air quotes legitimate Republican. Of course, I mean. Um, let's see. I'm not going to buck and then I got to reload. They said, hey, hey, ho, ho, because hey, Kamala doesn't rhyme with got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it's applicable. <laughs> it, I mean, it, that is her. That is a description, a valid description of the vice president. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Yeah, totally. Or Santa Claus. Um, one of the two. Quite frankly, it was next. Let's see. I was going to join the barbarian horde as they assaulted the White House with impunity. And then I took a shower with your oat and almond soap. The suds <laughs> cascading down my crack. And that's when I thought better of it. I'm gay. I love quite frankly. Uh, thank you, man. I'm glad that you got a sampling of the soap and I'm glad that it worked out uh, for you. Uh, we yeah. did send Frank uh, a bar of each of the exclusive soaps from oh, really? soap as a, a, a thank you gift uh, for his contribution to the show. And I'm glad to hear it went well. I hope I'm not... Um, crossing any lines of decency when i say that frank did promise to send me uh pictures of the soap in action for use on the show and i have not received the photos i was uh planning on a some sort of crossover here to promote the soap and i i don't know if the what what, what happened to the photos frank but i have not received them so Lost in them. short frank matt wants a picture of your sudsy balls <laughs> and ass crack I, for for show promotion purposes for promotional purposes um do you oh, and by the one? way uh when when uh, I, I i i think i'm at liberty to disclose to uh i i think when frank uh fills in it has gone really well so i did uh see if he's interested in filling in if and or when you need time for when the baby comes and it sounds like he's he'll he'll come back okay uh, good that makes me feel a lot better yeah. because i have i'm like 30 weeks right now and i'm telling you this baby is coming early like my labor and delivery bag is almost packed right mm -hmm. now so anytime, Frank. Anytime. Or anytime. if I if the only way I'm going to miss a Sunday show is if my kid is born on a Sunday, then I'll probably miss the Sunday show. And then we'll you will miss the Sunday show, you we'll, monster. Can, can Frank fill in? Uh, can it just be the Frank and Blonde show? Can, can he we, do all the work and tech stuff? 100 percent. He knows how to do his show. I just don't know. You know, he, he doesn't uh, have all the stuff to do this show, but he knows how to host a stream. Okay, I'm in. I can do that. Maybe I can we do can it. figure it out. I just got to give him the uh, <laughs> the keys to my channel and he could do his own stream there. It would be kind of interesting. I mean, I'm not okay. saying no yeah. if he was interested in giving it a go, but. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, Phil, when it comes to foreign aid, Mike Johnson thinks Americans are as anxious as, oh my God, go, okay, give away money to foreigners as he is to keep bailing out of prison. prison. <laughs> the <laughs> child. <laughs> I cannot believe this made it through. Jeez. The child that he and his wife bought or adopted. Yeah, the, he said the N word. The kid's identity finally got released, and he has a bunch of priors. So oh, I didn't even know this, the identity was secret or like undisclosed. It was undisclosed until a few weeks oh. ago. Yeah. Hmm. Searching Thank for you, adventure, Phil. the ignorant understanding of the Church of Israel, or when you support Israel as they promote homosexuality and child murder as cognitive dissonance. Believe your Bible. Fight the Pope. Yeah, hmm. I love our audience sometimes. Sometimes. Well, why is that not Protestant nonsense? How do you uh, square this circle? Um, I can, I can get behind this. Listen, I'm, I'm willing to ally with Protestant or with, uh, with Muslims uh, uh, on, on this matter. I think I can, well, I can I'm, figure out my, my grievances uh, with Protestants. 
Oh, I see. That's where you were going. I thought you were saying Muslims only, not Protestants. No, no. I'm just, you know, I, I'm like looking for an unholy alliance. I'm fine with that, you know? All right. I know that Muslims want to kill me, but they don't want to kill me first is the thing. <laughs> an important so, distinction. All right. Daniel, your Jorgen Belfort is out and about Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, really? Huh. Uh, is that the real guy? Is that who that is? Must be. I've seen some interviews uh, with him and he seems like a pretty interesting dude. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, can you read some of these? If somebody can send me an email about how to reduce late pregnancy sciatic pain, it would really help me out. I'm having a rough go right now. Some hijinks is next. Oh, uh, yeah. We we all suspect money laundering and bribery happens with the Ukraine funds. This is usually the result of a quid pro quo. I really want to know how much of the cartel money is going to the big guy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to learn of those connections yeah. either. That's true. Uh, thank you, sir. Chimp in a bow tie says academic agent posted that Twitter unbannings are international agencies, tactical containment tricks instead of counter protests, as in uh, pro Israel in London next week, Katie Hopkins and Tommy Robinson are also back. Yeah. Is that, is Tommy that Robinson tweeted? Like, did you guys miss me? And I tweeted back at him. Eh. <laughs> what did he do? Why, why is he lost your favor? Oh, he's just like the, the most egregious Zionist of them all. Also, Interesting. from from people that have been in the movement, he sounds like a really corrupt asshole. Huh. So I, I got uh, off I, the Tommy Robinson train a long time ago. I have not heard his take on the uh, the old Middle Eastern conflict. I have no idea what his views on that are. Uh, moist farts. Matt, the belt loops in your pants can serve the same function as bump stocks. Will the feds outlaw them next? It's a huge overreach. Blonde has a freak nose, by the way. You suck. Fuck you. That's true. It'll go back to normal. Uh, Come on. Will they you uh, suck? Fuck you. Will they outlaw your pant loops? Yeah, uh, they will redefine your Probably. pant loops as machine guns. That's that's the problem here. Uh, and even when the Supreme Court tells them they can't, they'll probably still try to do that next time because they'll say it's a different case for some reason. Rod B says um, blondes negativity and fatness is getting old. Is getting old. <laughs> what the <laughs> Matt, thanks for your positiveness to counter the this aging obese witch. OK, I am eight Love months you pregnant. Both. You gotta, you gotta oh throw me a God. bone here. Oh. The old thing, that's true. I can't. I, I wasn't even I that positive that. tonight. I mean, it's like, I suppose comparatively, uh, you know, any gray Rod, pill looks brighter Rod than the black D. pills that you're that you're dropping routinely. <laughs> that wasn't uh, even funny. That was just mean. Quite frankly, if I weren't so tired, I'd cry. Uh, Frank also says, "Watch Carlito's Way next." I don't know. Uh, I don't know that movie, but. Um, Another Al Pacino movie and Sean Penn, apparently. Thank you, Frank. Ryan Haas, uh, thank you. Slosher, thank you. And I think we're set on YouTube and Tippy for, uh, no, Knuckle Hunky Buck says, Blonde, a great way to reduce late pregnancy sciatic pain is give birth. Have you considered? You son of a bitch. Have you, have you considered giving birth? Ugh. Over on uh, Rumble, Dude. Holden Mulray says, Hi, Truth Seekers. I want to dress this year for one of, uh, as one of the czars in our government. Uh, or I wanted to, I wanted to be as accurate as possible. So I looked through the U S constitution for a description and you know what? It wasn't there. That's true. We don't, is, is the, uh, the Islamophobia, anti-Islamophobia czar that was not mentioned, uh, anywhere in the huh. legitimate functions of the federal government. I've not seen that one either. Hmm. Uh, I think we're all set. 
thank you, uh, Holden Mulray. And we're good on Odyssey. We're good on DLive. Looks like we're good on YouTube and Tippy as well. So anything before we get out of here? Thank you guys for letting me stand up. That really helped get through the show. <laughs> Glad to hear it. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate all your contributions to the show. Appreciate your chats, your super chats, all your jokes and uh, your fact checks in every way that uh, that you contribute to the live production. If you're listening later on demand, thank you kindly as well for supporting the show. And as a reminder, I've got a debut uh, debut new show coming up on uh, on Wednesday or a new show debut. That would be the better way to phrase it, but it's late in the stream. you know. Uh, the Matt Christensen Hour debuts Wednesday at 9 Eastern time over on Tenet Media's YouTube channel. We're also streaming on Facebook. I think they're going to stream it on. The Rumble thing is having complications, but it'll for sure be live and I'll be tweeting it and posting it on my website. I'd love it if you come hang out then. Uh, anything else, check out the website, mattchristensenmedia.com and or mattis.gay. Other than that, we'll be back next Sunday, of course, because if it's Sunday, sorry, whoever's hosting the show these days. It's not Meet the Press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night. Hi, guys. <laughs>